0: how's it going, everybody? The Chrises are back for the fifth episode of Your Days here. We're still in, uh, I guess we could say, the first trade collection of the original Quest of ElfQuest here. And uh, we're kicking off the second leg of the challenge. But before we get into all that kind of stuff here, I'm going to introduce the other Chris here, who's been spending a lot of time of late and the quest Facebook group, where he has come into quite a bit of information here. We actually have news, believe it or not. We're talking about a forty year old story here, and we've got news, so Chris, what did you learn boy oh boy i'm I'm hungry like the wolf
1: here today, and I tell you <laughs> what, boy, do we got some news of an elf quest movie now, Ooh. not just a movie, an interesting spin on a movie, it's a the elf quest, the audio movie, so I tell you what it was um I was surfing through the old um Elfquest facebook page and if you're not part of that i encourage everybody to join us and say hey to everybody out there so if anyone is listening from the page I'd like to give a big shout out to everybody who's involved there because i got a lot of passionate elf quest fans out there like us chris Absolutely. and you know they come from all walks of life and you know what all kinds of different experiences with the property and we're going to start out from a post from wendy peeney and this is from june 24th and it's talking about this amazing audio movie that's coming out it says Hi, everybody. It's a uh, one second now. Today, Richard and I had the privilege of being invited to a run through of all the Wolf Riders lines and nearly all of the Wolf Riders actors in a giant Zoom meet. So they met they met in a giant Zoom meeting. That's pretty cool. That is very mm-hmm. 2021 of them. For Absolutely. Sure. We listened to the howls and screams and outbursts of all kinds as this incredible acting team gave their all. The voices have been chosen. And we now have to have to be very distinct from one another in pitch
0: and timbre. Is that how you say it, Chris? Timber. Timber. T. Like, like, like a tree is going down. Yeah like a tree fall in the forest pitch and
1: timber which i've never seen spelt that way okay (laughs) sorry wendy if you misspelled that one uh maybe it's different canada that's all i can tell you anyway uh every single actor exactly what i've had in my head all my life so i mean you know i'm glad to hear that so what we're gonna hear is exactly what she you know always wanted these characters to sound like but she says no but if they were, they'd sound too much alike and the differences would be too subtle. So I'm falling more and more in love with what the um, what the world is going to hear for the first time of these characters. Strongbow Willie Friddle is pure Flint. Scouter Thomas Trin is practically stealing the show and he's playing such a goofy, excitable teenager younger than most others. Alejandro Saab is simply in charge as cutter. He really is the leader. It's amazing how each actor fits their character so beautifully. From what we heard today, we promise you that this movie is going to be – get set for this. How appropriate for our show, covering the epic Marvel line, she says, <laughs> it's going to be epic.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. Absolutely. And uh, we got a little blurb here. Uh, Richard and Wendy Peeney of Warp Graphics, Fred Greenhall of Dagass Media – And Ben Dobbins of the Fantasy Network are thrilled to announce a joint venture to adapt the classic fantasy comic Elfquest as a cinematic audio movie experience with an anticipated cast of more than 40 voice actors, original sound design, and a lush orchestral score. ElfQuest: The Audio Movie will be directed and produced by audio drama pioneer Fred Greenhog. That uh, he's of Lock and Key and The X-Files: Cold Cases, also The Dark Tome, and co-produced by Jonathan with Jonathan Woodward of HBO's *Wit*, *Buffy*, *Angel*, and *Firefly*, with creators Wendy and Richie, Richard Pini uh, serving as executive producers. The audio movie will be made in association with the Fantasy Network, known for *Mythica*, *Journey Quest*, and *The Rangers*. And K4 Media.
1: Now this thing was crowdfunded, which is pretty cool. So you know, you know, I I know that their initial goal was uh, was 50k. Now did Mm -hmm. they did they manage to pull that off? Let's talk about a little bit about why they chose crowdfunding first. Sure. So it says since the beginning, ElfQuest has been an independent story, guiding lovingly by Wendy and Richard Peeney while exploring how to create the ElfQuest audio movie, especially in a way that honors their unique vision and passion for generations of fans it became clear that this project needed to retain the independent voice and vision. So crowdfunding allows fans to support artists directly, which frees everyone involved to create a show free of constraints, of corporate notes or changes. And that's super important. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you can you imagine Wendy and Richard Peeney having their entire Elf Quest, you know, what they put their lives in, just being scrapped on a corporate table. That would that oh, would, that would uh, not you be could, fun.
0: And you could totally see it happening if, uh, oh, if they were yes. stuck, you know, going to a uh, studio, for sure.
1: Oh, it says it also allows the producers to keep the show from ending up being locked behind a single paywall. That's exactly right. So they could, they could farm this out to anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want everyone to be able to encounter and enjoy these first episodes so much. That the story can continue. And with your help, it will. Now, guess what? The crowdfunding is over. Why don't you tell them what happened, Christopher?
0: Certainly, certainly. We have a message from Richard Peeney on June 26th, and he says a couple of glorious moments from last night's ElfQuest audio movie Kickstarter finale. We reached the initial goal of 50,000, and of course, the question became how much higher could we aim? At some point, one of the crew mentioned how nice it would be to hit 200K. I'm sure we all wondered, is that even remotely possible? Then, within f- with five hours remaining, we, and you all, did it. From that point, it was all giddiness and fumes from the crew and us. Luckily, I had enough brain cells functioning to grab a screenshot when the countdown timer hit zero seconds left. What a moment. What a night. What a journey. Thank you all again. And, uh, yeah, with, a. Uh, Five hours and twenty-one minutes. They broke two hundred thousand dollars. Two hundred thousand and fifty-six dollars from it looks like two thousand eighty-nine donors. So uh, whew, very impressive.
1: <laughs> that is very good. And listen, if anyone uh, if anyone wants to tell you that the you know the power of independent comics is mm-hmm. in wane, I tell you what. This one's forty years old. <laughs> and they mm-hmm. just they just in a few hours raised over 200 grand to make yeah. this audio movie happen so i'll tell you what anyone who says there's no wealth quest fans out there they ain't paying attention
0: that's, that's, an, that's awesome that's news man but I, th- I think Speaking- i only have i only have one complaint about the the audio movie and it's that we're not in it
1: Oh, man I think, listen, I, I don't know about you But I, I've heard, no, I mean, I don't know about me But I've heard your voice work And I'm going <laughs> to tell you, anyone who's listened to Chris On the Cosmic Treadmill Is missing out because Chris and Reggie Were, were audio Vocal sensations So, I mean, listen, mm-hmm. we're available If you need background cast, listen I, I, I can I can we'll guarantee a, you We'll be right? a couple of
0: preservers like to- In the background <laughs>
1: Yes yeah, We'll be some background trolls
0: Whatever you want
1: Anything yeah, Listen we'll we'll be pick minions I don't, I don't care what it is You, you name it we'll That's do it fact. So we're just throwing <laughs> it out there So you know cheap plug right there And, we'll, now, and
0: we, we don't even require pay <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait a second Don't say <laughs> that
0: Wait we have Can our SAG cards right? <clears throat> yeah, <we're,
1: laughs> You're going to need to put the horns on that thing yes. All right. All right so, also some more news. So, in the past episode, we asked, we discovered a little ad, and uh, it was all about, I guess, was, this was the
0: Bud Plant, This is the Bud Plant one, where it was about the uh, collected editions of ElfQuest, and we commented, like, wow, it's weird that uh, this would be advertised in Marvel, like, where they're doing it, like, one issue at a time. Here's Here's yeah. access to the entire story. And we talked about that for a bit, but we also talked about, well, we talked about another thing, too. It's also the image they show is from the orgy um, that we'll get to later. (laughs) But um, we also found out that there is ElfQuest merchandise, which we were just, like, gobsmacked by because we had never seen it. We had only ever heard of it from this ad, and you had posed this question to the group and actually got an answer on these pewter figurines. How about you you tell everyone about these pewter figurines?
1: So a little bit about the ad, first first of all. It's from Bud Plant Incorporated. And like you said, they're selling off, uh, yeah, the graphic novels or the books. Uh, They are one, two, three, and four for $12.95 each. Boy, I'd like to have that. Or the whole set for $45. Mm -hmm. But what we questioned was Wendy Peeney's classic characters take shape in detailed lead Mm die-cast miniature figurines. Uh, Five sets, $8 each. Or all five sets for $38 and save. And it says use your figurines to play the Elf Quest game. Stock the forest uh, with your wolf friend as you replay the Elf Quest journey. Complete box game for only 20 bucks. And we were like, wait a minute. Nobody's seen this. Does this even exist? So I hit up the group and guess what? It actually did. So just an update on the Elf Quest pewter figures. We asked for help from our listeners. And, boy, did we get it. And a big thanks out to two people who shared these photos with us, Deb Howard and Delane R. Finley. A big thank you for actually securing the visuals, which I'm going to put up on Twitter, and we'll do hashtag QuesterDays, and we're going to showcase these things. So, man, there's a ton of them, Chris. I'd I'd really like to talk. So. Um, it seems like they are lead figures, which number one is an odd occurrence in itself right now. I mean, you know, you don't get kid kid lead these days. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, they're also very, very. Uh, looks like they're literally hand painted individually. If, I, if I'm a like guess, they
0: mm-hmm. Don't They I like wonder was- if they did they come because uh, let me. What it, does it say in the ad whether or not they came painted? Because I know a lot of those figurines come unpainted, and, and hobbyists will paint them. So I wonder. If that's uh if that's the way these went, I, I I couldn't say.
1: It says metal figures for use with Elfquest. Uh sculpted by Julie Guthrie. And I don't know. If I'm a guessing man, they they look like they're hand painted, but I don't want they to do. Uh, they do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to uh disparage the, the painter. Certainly. But uh, yeah, yeah, there seems like there's a ton of them. I mean the you have cutter, one eye, you have like troll guards. I mean You've got, uh, my God, Lita, Mm Timon, you've got, I mean, just a ton, ton of these characters. And, you know, this is the first time I've ever seen them in frame. So I was super pumped when somebody produced the figures. So I think it was Deb who had a picture of one up close, just a picture of one of the figures in her hand. And then Delane came out of nowhere with the entire thing on the pages with the descriptions of all the characters. I was jaw dropped, and I know I shared that with you on Twitter mm-hmm. that night. But boy, we gotta we're gonna showcase those over sure. on the uh, over on the Twitter. So hashtag QuesterDays. Days. When uh, you're hearing this, you'll uh, be able to check those out, and those
0: are pretty cool,
1: super rare. Indeed.
0: Absolutely, I, I love I love all kind of obscure merch. You know, Me it's always just so much fun to like because I mean you're not gonna like you're not going to see this like on a walmart shelf you know no, this no, is something no. that that you you have to want this is a destination purchase and uh and i mean i guess through the bud plant uh catalog this is that was the best way to get them back in the long ago but uh
1: yep and you just go hey kids lead <laughs> <laughs> open what <wine>? no <laughs> but health uh, quest fans are dying at an unbelievable rate <laughs> unknown sources no <laughs>
0: Yes, uh, one they show was cool. telling them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but with the news out of the way here, um, we've got a competition to wrap up, don't we? Uh, last, oh, last issue we oh. saw poor Cutter—I mean, poor Ryak—just get trounced by Cutter in a uh, in a in a balance contest, and uh, the poor guy. I mean. You know, Lita's sister's going around telling people that Lita is recognized Cutter and poor Ryak can't stand up to it. It's a bad days for Mr. Ryak here. So uh, (laughs) let's get into okay.
1: And anyone who's familiar, familiar with competitions. And, you know, we're we're big wrestling fans. So, you know, back in the day, they used to have like best two out of three falls matches and all this stuff where, you know, whoever one or best three out of five you know a big series of matches and normally you know the person who you know won three straight would be you know your your winner or who managed to win three in a row to cap off the series one you know what i mean uh i don't know how this really plays out here but it doesn't doesn't really play out the same way with those rules chris but uh, we'll (laughs) get into that in a few minutes so Absolutely.
0: Go ahead. Let's like kick it talk. off here. This is uh this is Elf Quest number five. Of course, this is the Marvel Epic Edition. Uh December nineteen eighty five cover date. Stories called Bridge of Destiny by Wendy and Richard Peeney colors by Glennis, credited. Uh Epic Edits, Archie and Joe, The Big Man on Campus, Jim Shooter. Cover price 75 cents American, $1 Canadian. All right. And, they uh, got
1: that extra 25 cents off me. They yeah. Got some,
0: they got you this time
1: (laughs) here uh
0: what do you what do you think about the cover here what do you think about the you know what i i
1: i actually love these covers like this one this one pops you know it's brilliant so this cover has uh they're they're on exactly what the you know what details number one Mm -hmm. exactly what's going on inside the book so you got the two guys on the bridge and Ryak is hanging and you know there looks like there's a lot of drama going on here and boy there is so it it gives us a window of exactly what's inside the book And that yes. is not happening in 2021, folks So it sure it's a miracle
0: <laughs> It sure <laughs> isn't Now uh, we open with the elves waiting around at Sorrow's End Wondering if and when Cutter and Ryak will return from their second trial Now Leta looks on, thinking to herself that uh, she's conflicted As to who she wants to see win the competition We are then marvelously filled in on some exposition. These are, uh, you know, these are the extra pages that are added. Uh, Just in case you missed an issue, or maybe this might be your first one, you get a little bit of backstory just to get, you know, get the feet running here.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, you know, when you're talking about it here, do we have, like, how many pages are unique to this one? So, do we start out with two brand new pages, or was the splash page originally already intended?
0: I think these two are uh, are brand new. Um, I don't okay. – all my trades are boxed away at the other house right now, so I don't have gotcha. uh, access to them. But uh, I think these two are new.
1: Okay, that's pretty cool because, I mean, you talk about the detail that's put into these two pages alone. I mean, it it is amazing. So, I mean, Wendy is just not handed in you know, these, these, uh, you know, half ass pages just to fill sure. in some blanks. It's gloriously detailed, brand new, rich and detailed. And my question is, were these epic pages ever reprinted again in black and white? Like, does the epic Marvel run, did that ever see reprint or is it just yes. the original? Okay.
0: But in black and white? In, yes, but not in a, not in like actual, like linear order. Um, wow. the, yeah the complete Elf quests that came out with the 10 year anniversary of ElfQuest, the uh, these are the father tree books in the back yep. there would be a uh, like a almost like a mini gatherum where it would include the cover images from the uh, from the warp comics it would co- it would feature the cover images of the marvel comics and it would also include the extra pages but it would all be at the back it would be like an appendix
1: ah, boo. so well, so I mean, technically, they they haven't been reprinted in order. Not
0: in linear order, no, no, because I mean that would be a little bit of an awkward and clunky read, I think, you know, because I,
1: yeah, if you're yeah, I guess you would so.
0: just be doubling up on information, which you know I I can totally see them doing it, print uh, reprinting them in the original way they were meant to be read, and just including these as a as a gimme probably.
1: Well, at least at least they saw print, so we'll talk. about yes. we'll, we'll, we'll give we'll give that a big kudos. So you know at least they're respecting the. Uh, the, the Marvel run itself. So it, sure, it sure. still does it's hold extra the Extra
0: content for sure. Absolutely. It's, it's not just going by the wayside. And that's always. Well, a it'd
1: be, it would be a shame to waste those pages. I mean, especially sure. when they're so rich.
0: So, I mean. There Absolutely. You go. Now, from here, our story begins. So we're into the new stuff here. And we start right where we left off last time. Cutter and Ryak, they're blindfolded and bound, left alone in different areas of the cave in order to attempt to locate and retrieve their weapon. Now, Ryak uses a nearby sharp sharp slab of crag in order to free himself from his bindings. Cutter, he uses his dexterity and just uh, wriggles free. Now, both elves, hands free, remove their blindfolds and begin their searches in earnest. Now, Cutter has a distinct advantage here. You see, his sword is forged from something called bright metal. And this is an alloy that his keen senses can differentiate and smell. So, it smells different from another sort of ore or iron or metal yes exactly so, so more or less our man's just got to follow his nose and uh <laughs> you know, rayek doesn't have any such luxury and he must rely on his tracking skills it's
1: kind of funny if we're supposed to be sympathetic against rayek he's put at a disadvantage right away in this context. every time I mean? <laughs> every time so not only is this guy come out of nowhere and stole his woman you know mm-hmm. what i mean or attempting to steal his woman now he has to fight for her Yep. But he's put at a disadvantage and we're supposed to boo him. So, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Rayek slash Johnny Lawrence. I think he, this is his redemption story here. But anyway, I think it, you so. know, it's just the sympathy, you know, I will say will go away very soon. You know what yeah. I mean? He's no stranger to using shortcuts to move forward. And, you know, Rayek is not considered like an honorable guy. But, you know, yeah. he, he is trying to be, you know, he's trying to right this wrong of this guy creeping on his woman. So, I mean, I respect that, you know, he's going to do. but. I probably would have liked to see him, you know, up the ante a little bit and pull some of his shady shenanigans, you know what I mean, all in the name of love, of course, <laughs> but, sure, for sure. <laughs> uh, and plus, he's already behind one zip in this contest, which ups the ante. so he's already at a deficit. yeah, and if if this is a three prong contest, rules of logic would say that if he
0: loses this one, it would be it's game over. over. yeah, would it not be? Y- you'd think so. yeah, yes, it, it's, okay. it's it's like it reminds you of like those, like the weird, I mean, we mentioned we're wrestling fans here, but like toward the end of WCW's time, they'd have, uh, the war games match where it would be alternating a good guy and a bad guy entering the match until everybody was in the match. And all the time early on, the bad guys would have the advantage because you want the people cheering for the good guy. They want to see the good guy come from behind and you know, beat the odds. (laughs) Then like they started to flip it and it's like, we're going to put the bad guys at a deficit. It's like, where where does that how does that help anybody? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't
1: because no. you're putting sympathy on your heel. Exactly. Which is, which is in which is the biggest thing I'm taking uh, taking away from this reread yeah. because you know reading it as a kid of course I'm all cutter. 100% of course, cutter. We hate oh, Oh, yeah, Ryak, look at that bum, he's getting his ass handed to him by, you know, by Cutter, which is great He's our guy, yeah And now you're looking at it as an adult, you're going, hold on a second here. <laughs> This is unfair This guy <laughs> is rapping on his woman, coming out of nowhere, you know, beating his ass in front of his own people And mm-hmm. just humiliating the guy, you know what I mean, checking his, uh, you know Man, this is this is really, really bad, but anyway let's, <laughs> It's true What no. do you do?
0: <laughs> Now, Ryak, of course, he's hes a tracker. He's got to follow a very faint trail of footprints in order to find his quarry. Um, Back over to Cutter, his search brings him to a little outcropping. Uh, he's, like, coming out of a little cave, and there's nothing but a free fall below him. <laughs> but, so what, but what does he have, Chris? He has some leather lacings in his chaps. And so well, he, he got, like, unlaces. Like,
1: like everybody does, leather Of course,
0: lacing. of course. Yeah. Now, he removes his laces and fashions a bit of a grapple system. So he wraps the lace around a large, like, oblong rock that he crams in between a split in the stone floor beneath him here, so the stone ledge. So it's kind of something that will be he'll be able to support his weight. So he lowers himself down, but, I mean, Cutter's a short guy, right? Elves yeah. are are short. So his laces were not long enough to get him to the ground. And so he still dangles a good several feet above the hard, craggy cave floor. Now, knowing he has no other option, Cutter just lets go and he crashes down back first Ugh. on the craggy slab. And, and you could feel it. You could here's, feel here's, it.
1: Here's what I'm going to tell you. Uh, to talk about how difficult this task is, number one, just try tying, just by yourself, without even hanging from it, just try tying a lace around a rock and see how. <laughs> See how well that works for you, number one. It is almost impossible. No matter how tight you tie that thing, that rock eventually is going to slip out. No question. Like, unless it's, like, super craggy and you've got some edges that you can hook on. But he's just got, like, almost like a polished little stone there that... It's like a skipping stone. Yes! Impossible, I say.
0: (laughs) Now, elsewhere, Ryak simply happens upon his blade. He followed the trail here. But it's in like a little like a little fissure in the ground, and uh, he can't reach it. So it's just out of his reach, and so Ryak's like, "Well, what do I got?" He removes his headband, and he's hopeful that he might be able to snare like the hilt of his blade and lift it up. But he can't. You see, the Sorrows End Challenge Guild <laughs> really made sure to jam that sucker in there. So there's no. It's like it's like one of those fixed. You know claw games at the at the arcade, you know where it's like you really want that Alf puppet? Well, it's jammed in there. You ain't getting.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, let's talk <laughs> about that for a second. The claw vending machines, the oh, yeah. biggest highway robbery of children's money. I mean, how many times did you lower that thing with precision oh, yeah. over the top of a toy in one of those cases? I mean, and it just
0: skims it. It just like it, it. It's so jammed in there, you ain't getting it. And not only that, the claws. It's almost like
1: they're on demand, like when they want to like cling to something, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Because they're very loose. So unless you're able to get that claw hooked into something, a piece of fabric or something on the toy, forget it. It's just going to drop it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And some machines, if you've seen these When they go to lift the toy, there's a shake to it You know what I mean? That suddenly, mm. they're out of nowhere You know what I mean? You're like, hey, this cloud went down gentle And as soon as it's elevating it back up It
0: starts to rock like
1: a pinball machine <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, it's like, like you tilted ah. a pinball machine
1: <laughs> uh, I used to be a professional at that But now now I just suck My, my kids look at me like, dad, you're terrible But anyway <laughs> Another
0: it's, story for another day. It's true. I mean, those things are those things are a racket. Oh,
1: they are. <laughs> uh, You know what? I'm telling you right now, there's money to be made. Maybe that'll be my uh, my career after my current employment. There you go. One of those claw vending machine salesmen, <laughs> A.K.A. Lech. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> now from here we jump back to Cutter, and he also finds his blade. It's uh, it's new moon, of course, and it's also in a fissure just outside of his reach. Huh. Now Cutter he drops down to his belly to try to reach it but eh, he, like we said cutter's a short guy his arms are short too but then something unexpected happens now cutter is laying over the fissure well he's he was given something for luck last issue by <laughs> his friend skywise here the lodestone and the lodestone you know dips you know it's around his neck it dips into the fissure and new moon reacts to its magnetic pull it
1: it all comes back to the lodestone i mean every (laughs) single issue this this rock is helping them do something whether it's navigating a desert you know some secret luck charm and now it's a magnetic blade puller so it's one of those you ever see those um those nail grabbers they're they're almost like an extension wand almost like a antenna and, mm-hmm. you know, you could stick it down and you can, like, if you dropped your ring, for heaven forbid, in a in a drain, in a you can grate? stick this yeah. thing down. Yeah, you can, you can reach it. So that, that's what this thing does. But I got one question for you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you had Ryak and he's trying to use his little headband to, you I'm know, sure to access his weapon and he couldn't do it. But now all of a sudden the lodestone magnetically charged, you know allows i guess what i consider a competitive advantage what do you think is this cheating oh, yeah. is this competitive advantage
0: i don't know i mean i don't know if it's cheating necessarily but it's definitely an advantage for sure um but then again i mean it's a magic rock from what we know who's going to know that it's magnetic i don't know that they know what polarity and stuff is you know what compasses do so yeah,
1: yeah okay fair enough okay but, so, but you know.
0: definitely i mean Oh, boy, it, if you if you're Ryak, you're seeing that this is unfair. Oh yeah, you know for sure. Um, with us, we just see it as a as a very good bit of storytelling. It's like it was Chekhov's lodestone, right? It's like <laughs> it's like Skywise handed it to Cutter for luck, and bada bing, bada boom, it, it gave him something. So it's a it's very good storytelling in that way.
1: And again, it's another one of those things, because Ryak chose not to take a shortcut. Yeah. He has these. He has powers, so he's yeah. able to—we saw it the other— um, He was able know, to the levitate passage. the boar, yeah. Yeah, he levitated the boar and stabbed it in the throat, and he could have quite easily used that here, but he chose not to take the shortcut, and I think that that in itself is an important story
0: point here. So, And, you know, I totally glossed over that. I, I totally didn't—I didn't even think that he could levitate things. I mean, we saw him levitate in orange. We saw him levitate yep. the boar. He could have very easily levitated his sword and he like you said, he didn't take the shortcut. So that's uh well, well think another about this form.
1: Last episode, Cutter gave him grief over elevating the boar, saying he was yep. cheating during the hunt. Sure.
0: Maybe so, took that now, to heart.
1: Yeah. so now you got old Lodestone boy here using the exact same <laughs> tactics and it's suddenly okay. Oh, I'm not good with that. I'm not good with that. Team <laughs> so, Ryak all the way here yeah. on this one.
0: It's so crazy reading this as an adult. <laughs> oh, it so is. Bizarre. Now we jump back to Ryak here, and like we said, he's not using his levitational powers here. He's not using his mind. He's being a little bit more Rube Goldbergian here in his approach. <laughs> um, now, I mean, in fairness, uh, he, he he's not doing the he's not cheating consciously, and he also doesn't have a magic demon rock from outer space to rely on. So he's got to do what he's got to do. And so he tears some of the adornments from his collar, and they look kind of like beast teeth, like little fangs. And he fashions them into a claw of sorts, kind of like those machines we were just talking about. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) he holds the teeth claw open with a little slat of stone, and he just lowers it into the fissure. And then just as he hoped, when this hits the hilt, that stone slips away and the teeth close on it. So just like one of those machines. He's able to then carefully retrieve the blade, and he cockily rushes back to Soros End to rub it into the Wolf Rider's faces, because surely, Cutter couldn't have beaten him there, right? Never. Well, about that, Cutter's already back. Now, the young Wolf Rider chief shows Ryak how the lodestone attracted his sword, and Ryak is ticked. He accuses Cutter of cheating, and, I mean... Whether he was or not cheating, that is, uh, we can definitely still sympathize and understand Ryak's frustration here, for oh sure. Oh my
1: God! What's hilarious about this whole thing? Um, you know, as soon as Ryak emerges from the caves, he is standing on the rock and he is proud as a peacock. The wind peacock. is blowing in his hair. He's got his one of his legs up on another rock. He's mm-hmm. just you know overseeing the world. He's got his hands outstretched with a giant shit-eating grin, and he mm-hmm. says. What matters the loss of one paltry trial of hand? Lita knows that wit is better than strength. She will choose me. And he's <laughs> proud because he's on the way back to camp. And boy, is he going to shove this right where the sun don't shine when it comes to Cutter. <laughs> and he can't wait. But, of course, like you said, he's been already beaten to the punch. And you mm-hmm. know what? I definitely think it's an unfair advantage for Cutter. Ryak again is burned in front of his people That's two yeah. in a row so this has to be it Right two out of three falls game over You know the it courtship of Lita like Goes to
0: Cutter But the, it's the fu- not The funny thing is here like Cutter actually just Shoves it in his face that he that he had This advantage too it's like It's like yeah I got it that's all he has to say I, I got my sword and I'm back He doesn't have to show him the lodestone <laughs> he <doesn't, laughs> But he does he's just Twisting the knife he's like Yeah <laughs>
1: He doesn't even open his mouth.
0: No, actually, he it, lifts it's, it sky-wise, up. it's Skywise.
1: His buddy goes, Cutter's been back for a good while, and then yeah. all of a sudden he just comes up and with his little pinky, and with the lodestone magnetically still attached to this his damn sword, he just sort of waves <laughs> it in his face, and oh. and Reyk explodes. He just goes, oh. cheat, deceiver. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. The next, the next time I'm at work or someone and someone does something stupid, I'm going to use that. Cheat! Deceiver! (laughs) What proof of wit is this to use a magic stone? I could have used my powers, but I did not. It's true. It's
0: it's almost like the fix has been in from the start. Um, Now, Sun Toucher, the, the poorly (laughs) named, unfortunately named Sun (laughs) Toucher, he advises that Cutter only wore the lodestone as a good luck charm and was unaware of its magnetic powers. And, uh, yeah cutter himself commented that he thought the stone only worked for skywise anyway so whether it was magic or not it was immaterial he thought that this was just Skywise's rock how a rock would know skywise was holding it i don't know um but skywise whispers to tree stump that he still thinks the lodestone is magic which i mean let's not let ryak overhear this otherwise his accusation might start to hold a little bit of water you know
1: yeah and you know what this cements to me that the writers you know i'm i'm thinking that that Peeney actually intended to give, you know, uh the unfair advantage to Cutter. So I mean if mm. Skywise and Cutter understood that they had this, you know, these magical powers, then, you know, this one's a done deal. I mean, let's be mm-hmm. let's be honest here. So
0: for sure, for sure. Now Ryak and Lita have a sidebar, with the latter telling the former that she knows that he's wiser than Cutter. Ooh. But, you know, rules are rules. Cutter returned first, and so he won.
1: But you know what? They really show, I mean, this panel with Lita, and she's trying to console Ryak, and Ryak is just in despair. You know, he's got his head down. He's got his eyes closed, and she's, like, sort of, you know, rubbing his chin. And she's like, oh, Ryak, my dear friend, I know that you are wiser than the wolf rider, but he returned first. And now Saba has – it doesn't look like she's just, you know, happy that he's going away. She's actually upset over this. So I I really like that key piece. So she's still somewhat – Even though, despite her, you know, somewhat attraction to Cutter, she's still on camp,
0: you know, Ryak for sure here. Mm -hmm, For sure. Now, Ryak embraces Lida. he vows to best Cutter in the final event. And that brings us to the final event, the Trial of Heart. Mm. Now, Sava, the mother of memory, stands the two competitors before her and tells them that uh, she's going to reach deep into their minds to retrieve their worst fear. And Cutter's like, hey, I'll save you the trouble. My worst fear is letting down my tribe. Well, not so fast, Cutter. Sava discovers something else. Ooh. And what's more, Cutter knows this as soon as it happens. He's like, "Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh, she knows." Uh now Ryak, he submits, allowing Sava to peer into his mind as well, and uh well, he knows when she discovers his deepest fear too. Sava proclaims that the third and final trial will take place at the Titular Bridge of Destiny. Aha. Uh-huh. Now, You may be asking, what is a Bridge of Destiny? Well, it's a thin, rocky outcropping that connects two tremendous mountains right outside of uh, Sorrow's End. the trial will consist of each combatant walking across this stone high wire, for lack of a better term, touching a sun-shaped symbol on the other side, and then returning, walking back.
1: I got a question. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Seva peers into their mind, okay? So, she's going to try to find their, you know, their their biggest fear, okay? Mm-hmm. So, is this their big, deepest fear? Like,
0: falling? Heights? I don't know. Yeah.
1: Is, is that, like... Tell me something is like I, I get to a point like I have a degree where I'm not really afraid of heights. But once I reach a particular certain height, I'm like, OK, you know, what? Switch flips. We're, yeah, yeah we're, we're done now. <laughs> we're done. This is, this is a ridiculous amount of height here. And I'm I'm definitely finished. But, you know, I have no issue with ladders or sitting or standing on a roof or anything mm. like that. But there is a point where you know it, it does get out of hand, and you're like, okay, you know what? Now, now I'm on the brink of death here. So we're you know, we're we're getting down. the ground. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I th- but I think that you know when you're thinking about their greatest fear, I mean, falling. I you know seems like a low bar prediction, but I mean, both seem pretty cool with it. They continue yeah. on. So I don't know. Did Sava miss the mark here? Is yeah, she like I... a, a a bad visionary, <laughs> or, or what's happening? I don't know.
0: Maybe they did. They, I'm sure they didn't have like the uh, the test of the emergency broadcast system in the ElfQuest world, which is terrifying. Um, they might not have had clowns, which are also scary to some oh, people.
1: Oh yes. Uh, but I mean, the phone I mean,
0: ringing in the middle of the night that probably doesn't happen. So <laughs> this is their worst fear.
1: That's not good either. I'll tell you what. Phones <laughs> ringing in the middle of the night never end up being something good. You know what I mean? It's always yeah. But I don't. I don't know. It's never good.
0: No, never, never. Nobody's calling just to say hello at two in the morning.
1: No. But I mean, you know, when you talk about fears, I mean, you know, if I had a fear it'd be like a plane crash or drowning or some you know, some situation that I have no control over. Because, you know, if you're in a plane and you're headed down, you're done.
0: Yeah, Same no with what if
1: you're, do. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're on the in the middle of an ocean, it doesn't matter if you're on the super Titanic three. Doesn't <laughs> matter. Unsinkable, you name it. If the sea is rocking and that boat starts to sink, you're finished. You're 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 finished. There's there's no one coming for you. You're underwater. You're dead. Leonardo DiCaprio's floating by you, and Kate is not going to save you.
0: No, but there your you. heart will go on. I think
1: <laughs> that's a, that'll be all.
0: <laughs> now, but anyway, we're we <laughs> we're at the bridge of destiny here, and uh, Cutter is up first. Now Skywise assures him that uh, nah, this won't be any sort of challenge. After all, he's seen Cutter tap dance across tree branches. <laughs> Cutter looks down, which, I mean, I I am not good with heights. And uh, that's kind of rule number one is don't look down, right? No, right. That's, yeah, it's like uh, when you're scared of heights, don't look down, whatever you do.
1: No, because uh, you know what, even if you're on like a roller coaster or something, you hmm. can manage to keep yourself content as long as you're just like, if you stared like at your feet while you're on a roller coaster, it sure, takes away the, fine. you know, it yeah. takes away the tension. But the second you look over the side and you realize that, wait a minute, I'm going to go through four loops and I'm upside <laughs> down and this ain't going to work. Okay. <laughs> you know what I
0: mean? Yeah, so. There ain't no science to this. Come on. No, <laughs> this, is, exactly. this is magic. Um, but uh What's more, we have a particularly windy day here in Sorrow's End, and so uh, you know just the right amount of gust threatens to send either elf to their doom. And uh, I want to remind you, we're working without a net here, people. Yeah. This is just a drop. Now, Tree Stump gives Cutter a bit of a pep talk, telling him, you know, hey, remember, this is for Lita, and you seem to think she's worth it, so do the thing. And so uh, Cutter does do the thing. He starts to walk across the thin stone bridge, and he makes it about halfway before, uh, well, he starts to lose his balance. Yeah, before he does, though, he scurries back to safety, unable to complete the trial, and in disgrace, he slumps down behind a large stone. So, right. so tough, tough day.
1: So, we know right now the Cutter, okay, we know he's afraid of heights. Yes. So, we see it here. We witnessed it. We know that that is his biggest fear, okay? Mm-hmm. And like I said, at some point, you get to the point where enough is enough and you're going to be terrified. And if you do not like heights, they, that ain't where you want to be. It is absolutely terrifying. It it literally disorients you when you're up so high and that different things. And you literally you can't focus on anything except falling. Exactly. All of a sudden, your feet start to shake and, you know, you've got no control like over your straight. body. Oh, it's yeah. just a mental thing. You know what I mean? So here, here's here's my height story. I got a story for you. Mm-hmm. For this? All right. So you've been to a Walmart or a Costco, right? Certainly. And you look up and, like, the ceilings are, you know, they're they're not the old T-bar ceilings. Like, now they're just open warehouse girders. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Really, really, really high up. Certainly. So I used to be a loss prevention officer uh, back in the day, and I would have to install cameras. Back in the old VCR days, baby, you know, literally coax cable being stretched from one end to the other. So (laughs) if you had to install a camera at the front of the store, it had to literally run From your unit, which was, yeah, with your office that was at directly at the back of the store all the way to the front. So you would have to drag cable all the way across this ceiling. Okay, so get this. We had a T-bar ceiling. So you had to push the tiles up, go up through the tiles to access the girders. Gotcha. So there there was like a floating ceiling in the one I was doing, okay? We had this gigantic ladder with no training, by the way. I was never, ever trained how to do this. Just, you know, I knew how to plug in a VCR, so I was going to do it. <laughs> so I get up in this ceiling, Chris, mm-hmm. and this ladder is unbelievably high. Like when it, when I position it from the floor – It it goes right on up through the ceiling, it knocks the tile out, and it literally, it's touching both corners of the opening of the T-bar. Oh, boy. So, I'm not only not visible to the people who are underneath me, because I'm literally up, hidden away inside a T-bar ceiling, throwing throwing stuff (laughs) over girders, okay? So, I get up in the ceiling. And I'm stretching because you know I have to throw the cable. Okay, I have to throw it a little way so it it catches on you know another girder. It has literally it has to make its way over the top of a girder to make the connection. Mm-hmm. I tilt forward. Uh oh. I'm standing on the second rung. I tilt forward. I I literally fall on the T-bar. This is this you cannot stand on this. You will fall plunge to of your death. Of course. Depth, yeah. Okay. I go down, I knock the tile out in front of me. So now I'm dangling, oh. trying to catch my balance on two pieces of T-bar, which are bending and, and like, breaking off in front of me.
0: Yeah, that can't support
1: the, uh, the nope. whole, whole body, no. The only thing that, that saved me, I <laughs> fell off, like, I was falling so badly, like, forward, that my feet came off the second rung and dropped to the third rung. So oh, I boy. managed... To when I fell through the ceiling, my hands grabbed the top of the ladder, and like tiles were cascading from the ceiling. It was just like, floop, 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 floop. and these bars were falling off. Like I, I literally cleared maybe four full tiles that oh, just fell from the ceiling, and a giant hole opened up. But I was like, literally, that would have been the end of me. I wouldn't be talking on this show. But I mean, I can, I can basically what I'm trying to get at is I can, I can appreciate cutter. So yes. good thing you're not installing coax cutter. There you go. Back to the show. <laughs>
0: now, Pike, our friend Pike, he proclaims this to be a stupid test, and he states that he wouldn't do it for anything while glaring at Lita.
1: Hmm.
0: So, I mean, it's not like there's anybody knocking down Pike's door, so maybe he's not the best one to ask. <laughs> uh, Pike looks like he smells. He
1: That's... does. He has, the, he has the real Steve <laughs> Ditko, you know, I'm I'm baking pork chops just before supper type of look.
0: Yes. Now, you know what I mean with a load of onions. Oh yes, absolutely Now, uh, Cutter appeals to Lita And he's like, you know, what what good What good would I be to you if I was dead? You know, why, why are you making me do this? Fair question mm-hmm.
1: You know now, what I mean? I mean, Sure Yeah, I mean, like Cutter, he just don't seem to quite understand That, you know, that dead Will solve the whole drama here I mean, you know, <laughs> if he's dead, there's nothing else going to happen I mean, what what's the purpose we'll go of home. Yeah. What Why are you doing this to me? For Christ's sake you know, it just, just tell me you don't want me. I'll go. I don't even need to crawl this bridge. You know what I mean? <laughs> he, he's, he's really scared of this thing. So, you know, he's, he's backpedaling here for sure.
0: Absolutely. Now,
1: and the run- first bit of fear we saw him.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now Lita runs to her father and tells him that, uh, you know, this just isn't right. And so Toucher knows the score and he knows that she was hoping to see Cutter humiliated, uh, unable to complete the trial because maybe that would take him down a peg and, uh, Maybe it would even result in his own tribe turning on him, but of course they won't. Now, Ryak cockily saunters up to the bridge and proceeds <laughs> to walk backwards across the thing as if it ain't no thing at all, all the while mocking the cowardly cutter.
1: <laughs> well, listen, man, he's got to save some sort of face because, nope. I mean, you know, if this is all he's got left in a the toolkit, then maybe he's got to use it. I mean, he mm-hmm. has been neutered in front of <laughs> his own people. So this may be all he's got left in the can, man. I'm telling you. And he is milking it. He's walking backwards. His hair is flowing in the air. He's just got that swagger to him, arms outstretched. I mean, he's just got, you know, just balls for days here. And he's making sure that Lita's paying attention. Look at me, girl. I can just walk back right here. I ain't falling. If, was this, your was wolf now?
0: if this was oh, yeah. ever animated, it would have to be a moonwalk. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <have> to be. <laughs> So he's doing this, right? He's, he's you know, he's proud as a peacock here, walking backwards, moonwalking. And then, well, the wind picks up. <laughs>
1: I like what he says, though. He says, mm-hmm. ha ha! If a stroll across the Bridge of Destiny were something to be feared, see, Lita, it is nothing. He is a coward to the very heart. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who calls out, but it says, the wind, Ryak, be careful. Yes. You're
0: late. Poor Ryak is thrown off balance, and he falls, only barely catching himself on the edge of that rock bridge. Now, Cutter looks on, waiting for his rival to use his levitation powers to simply rise back up. But he does not, because he cannot.
1: Now, Why is this? I don't fear, know. Fear, fear overrode his powers? I think or so.
0: I think so Interesting. Now, now Cutter finally figures yeah, Screw it, even though Ryak is currently his enemy He can't just let him fall And so he crawls over to Ryak Midway across the bridge O Destiny Now Ryak He begrudgingly takes his hand And Cutter pulls him to safety And the two elf rivals stare at one another At which point Ryak sends For the very first time Ah, uh, Explain sending, Christopher well this Let's... is the mental communication that the elves share. It's a kind of a instant messaging or text messaging for the yes, elven sir. age here. And you might think, you know, Ryak maybe he's maybe he's in sh- he's ashamed, right? And he wants to thank Cutter for helping him, but only do so silently between the two of them, very personal like. Yeah. Well no, that's not it at all. It's not a thank you. It's a sharp, painful, scorn-filled send which actually drops Cutter to his belly. Oh yeah, uh, there is there is rage in his hate. eyes
1: He's got rage in his eyes for Elizabeth Right there, Hatred. I'm telling you right Absolutely. now
0: Hatred Now, Ryak, Ryak retreats back to safety Leaving the Wolf Rider Chief behind On his belly on the bridge <laughs> Now, Skywise goes to poke Ryak with his little knife But Sava puts a stop to that pretty quickly She's like, no. oh he- settle down skywise settle down
1: where did that come from it's I like all of a sudden skywise he's kind of literally got him and i mean he is basically for the most part of this series you know if anybody's the pacifist of the group it's skywise you know what i mean like he's he's the the gentler kindler of the wolf riders but you know every now and then he's got to pick up the gauntlet but you know for the most part he's a level-headed guy who wants to help you know get things done with the lodestone and yeah. nope He's going knife to guts
0: here. He's going to gut Rayak. Now, uh, back on the bridge, Cutter pulls himself up and, well, he actually finishes the trial. He crosses the bridge. He touches the symbol and he returns. Sava looks at Rayak and basically gives him like a sucks to be you kind of (laughs) look, which uh, causes Rayak to run off.
1: Uh, Just imagine how pissed he's going to be when he realizes that, you know, he has already out of the competition. Just lost three to nothing. This is not even the best three out of falls. He lost three in a row. This this mm-hmm. was over at the second one, in my opinion, standard rules. Nope, they gave him a third loss. I mean, nope. could they not have even given him like a one solitary win? Anything? Nothing? Even like a disqualification win? Something? Sure. Nope. Nope. Like, he got
0: like a hot pepper eating contest or something or, uh, you know, something. Just give him something. Yes. Let him win. Let him win something. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, terrible. Now, Ryak, he runs off. Lita goes to follow, but she is stopped by Suntoucher. Now, Sava tells Lita that uh, Ryak actually defeated himself here because Ryak ain't scared of heights. Heights don't bother Ryak. He's climbed mountains. We saw him climb mountains a couple issues ago. You see, his worst fear was losing, and yeah. so he defeated himself. Now, Cutter then heads over to Lita to let her know that, uh, hey, you're officially my property. <laughs> And, uh, and boy, he's bold about it, too He sure is Lead is all, oh, no, you didn't uh, <laughs> As the rules of the trial state All Cutter's really year here is the right to woo her Without Ryak getting in the way She owes him nothing more than that opportunity And Cutter can't believe what he's hearing here After all, why does she think there's any decision involved in this at all? Because the pair recognize one another And as we've heard, there is no refusal of recognition Now, Lita tells him that her view of recognition is far less primal than his, and uh, that ultimately, at the end of the day, this decision is still hers.
1: Look at her changing these rules.
0: Mm -hmm. Look at this woman. (laughs)
1: Anyway, it looks like we're not too far off the good old 2021 sensibilities here. You know, I love it because, you know, it doesn't feel forced. Like I said before, it's natural. And to my point that, you know, a dude could not write this from a female perspective. And I've said that over and over and over because, man, the female perspective here is certainly on point. And we're seeing like. It's not an overbearing, you know, strong, you know, beach over the head female character who's dominant yeah. and all that stuff. She's in charge of herself. She's on point. She knows who she is. And she ain't going to let no man just say that she's any property. So I, I love Lita at this point. Really, really cool characterization. Oh,
0: here. 100%. 100%. Now, we shift ahead to later on that day and actually into the night where Lita is in bed. Now, she dreams of Cutter, who during the process of this dream turns into a wolf while demanding that she say his name no she says cutter that ain't the name he means he wants her to say his soul name and of course we've talked about soul names before these are the secret names that elves have like deep in their souls yeah and his
1: and his soul name is chad
0: <laughs> chadwick no Ch- uh, his name is tam and it's you know, a soul name is only known instinctively by the one that you're you're recognized to. Yeah. Um of course we're gonna find out that Cutter has shared his soul name with people willingly. You know, Skywise and and, uh, and Cutter have exchanged names. They they do consider themselves brothers, but Lita instinctively knows that his name is Tam. And uh she tells him in the dream that she doesn't love him. And hell, they're not even friends. Oh. And Cutter's like, what does that matter? We're recognized. (laughs) That don't matter at all. (laughs) Now, at this point, Lita is shaken awake by a howling outside. And uh, so she leaves her house to follow the sound. And it takes her to the rocks where the wolf riders have uh, gathered. And she looks on at this odd tribal ritual from down below, curious as to exactly what's going on here. Now, Cutter has a – he's got control of the court here, and he stands before the tribe, and he uses New Moon, his sword, and he pricks the palm of his hand. Now, he allows ten drops of blood to fall to the ground, one for each chief of the wolf riders that came before him, and they all – as the drops fall, they all chant the names of these – these you know, the blood of ten chiefs here. Yeah. Start with to mourn yellow eyes. And, you know, it, I think it might be Rain, but it might be Ronnie as well. Ronnie the She-Wolf, Prey Pacer, Two-Spear, Huntress Skyfire, Freefoot, Tanner, Good Tree, Man-Tricker, and finally, Cutter's own father, Bearclaw, who we will get to know much better next episode and issue. And we learn that tonight's Howl, which... I'm guessing this is something that the Wolf Riders do every once in a while here. This howl is in honor of Bearclaw. Now, Cutter turns the meeting over to Tree Stump, one of Bearclaw's closest and oldest friends, and asks him to speak first about him. Tree Stump smirks and prepares to tell his tale, and we awkwardly cut away here.
1: Okay, so for listeners who who are not on to the, you know, the Marvel ElfQuest situation here, so... These books were originally presented in like a, a different format altogether, yeah. okay? So the endings may not necessarily be what Marvel is producing. So Marvel is trying to dice up this entire saga into comic book format. So how many pages mm-hmm. are they doing here? Are they go in 20?
0: E- either twenty or twenty-two, I would reckon. Yeah. I think the originals were thirty-two. So, so you're gonna uh, so you get these it's awkward, awkward cuts. Sometimes. And
1: yeah. this is why Wendy has to produce these extra pages to, mm-hmm. you know, to segue into the next chapter. So Yep. Here, at the very least, which we didn't get last time, we actually got a little small to be continued, just true, sort of true. shoehorned in here. You know, I, this is where I feel that one piece of extra content should have been. So, you know, I I feel that there should have been like an exit splash page. I mean, you're right in the middle of a ceremony. What a way to end it it would be. You know, to give a hint of what's coming up. You know, sure. it'd almost be imperative if you're trying to get readers back every single month. You know what I mean? I just think these, you know, these strange cutoff points. That's my one disappointment with this whole series is that they don't just don't flow well. Maybe mm-hmm. even like just a little, little bit of extra narrative might be needed or an extra panel. I'd, I'd love the splash, but I mean, I, I would take even an extra panel with some careful rewording. It just wouldn't be wrong here. It's just something to get you more excited than just poor tree stump just uttering one <laughs> word and then we're off. You know what I mean? To be continued, and you're like. Would you want to continue this if you were reading this at the time and not an ElfQuest fan?
0: I don't know. Sure. That's, that's an interesting question because it's like, if, had we not known about how the sausage was made, right, would we even notice that it was awkward? I wonder. I mean, I don't know how much of it yeah. is our just subconscious knowing that it's like, well, that, that wasn't how the issue was supposed to end. I wonder well, if that's well, – I mean, uh... From yeah. all the years collecting comics, I mean, you know, when when a Spider-Man issue
1: would end and all that type of stuff, they'd always give you a cliffhanger. And sure. there'd be some ex you know, exposition by Stan. You're not going to believe what happens when the wall crawler takes on, you know, the Sandman next step. I, ha- next I haven't
0: year. written it yet, but
1: it's going to be great. <laughs> yes, <laughs> to take a page out of x lapse right there. Perfect. Yes. Well, you no know, right on the money and, and and these
0: seem blunt, but but anyway, They do, they do, but uh, we will, of course, forgive it, because uh, I guess we don't have much of a choice, they are what they are Um, Now that is the story, but that's not the end of the issue, we have quests and answers, we got a whole bunch of back matter here to get into So let's kick it off here, we're going to start our letters page with Paul in Florida
1: Hmm.
0: Now Paul, he ain't a comics fan, but he made an exception for ElfQuest and he's, he's very happy that these stories are now being made available in color and uh, in a more affordable format than the original oversized warp installments.
1: Well, you listen, I mean, the original graphic novels, in my opinion, are the way to view these. You know, the mm-hmm. Starblaze editions are what I grew up on. You know, yes. there was four four of those volumes that completed the original quest. And that's the way I really, really that's what engaged me the first time on these. So sure. you know, when it comes to when it comes to this, would I have liked it the same as, you know, as I did first when I encountered these? I would say no for the simple fact that it was such a shocking departure like graphic novels were not a thing back when I was reading these things you know no. what I mean so no, the weren't. format itself was exciting it's something new the paper stock was better the coloring was better you know better than you know just your newsprint you're dealing with here in the epic run but sure. uh, but you know in my opinion if you're talking about the uh, the way to read these it's it's definitely in the uh, in a graphic novel format what do
0: you think you know, I, that that was my first uh, exposure to them as well. Uh, but it was, you know, it was the the next versions. It was those Father Tree ones that were the, yeah. That was my they're first, uh, Oh, they're they're amazing. They're gorgeous. Um, and actually, I just uh, I sent you a picture of this uh, last yeah. week. I went to a half price bookstore, and um, for the longest time, I was missing Volume Four of the Father Tree uh, Press Complete quest. and um, you see it online, and it's very expensive because oh, I mean yeah. these things are out of print. I managed to find it at a uh, record store for uh, it was under ten dollars, which I mean that's a steal of a deal for for that there book. So I grabbed it, and you know, and then over the years I've seen I've seen other Father Tree Press ones uh, throughout my haunting, you know, my searches of my normal haunts. Yeah, the, the record stores usually have them for about ten bucks. Um, you might go to a comic store that just has them because they don't match the trade dress of what's going on now, so it's you know, a little bit less expensive than cover price. Sometimes it's just yep. cover price. Well, you go to a half price bookstore, and you might imagine, well, if this book had a twenty dollar cover price, it's going to be ten bucks because it's half price books. Nope, <laughs> nope. Uh, half price books, at least the ones by me, now consider themselves to be boutique bookstores so i don't know if you're buying if you're buying books at a used bookstore it stands to reason that a lot of them are going to be out of print well now half price books at least the one by me is marking all their out of print stuff as being out of print and they're charging a hundred bucks for these books and uh i mean that's not to say that they're not worth it i'm sure to some people they are but i mean a hundred dollars a lot of damn money to ask Oh, definitely.
1: Absolutely. I mean, holy God, like you you said, now all these things, you know, people are finally starting to kick in. They're starting to understand the value of collectibles, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So everybody, especially in a pandemic era, were taking full advantage of anything that was worth a dollar. I mean, there was no new content, so you had to rely on the back issues. So now you've created a pandemic driven collectible market and now all of a sudden these back bins have become valuable and sought after so now people are looking for these key first appearances yep. these unusual trade dresses and all this type of thing so unfortunately that's where we are in the world right now and you know finding these at a reasonable price is not easy
0: not so. easy at all now back to our friend's letter here Paula. Well, Richard Peeney is happy to have Paul on board, and he cites both the color and Marvel's reach on the newsstand as great ways that ElfQuest can ex- can expand its readership and fandom. And uh, I agree. yeah, he's he's right. I mean, you know, it's like when you think about you know watching a black and white movie versus a color movie. When you're a young kid, you you might gravitate more to the color movie than the black and white. You're not going to appreciate the black and white for what it for what it does do. You're just going to hold against it what it doesn't do, and. Right you put you put elf quest number one the warp version and the elf quest number one the epic version in front of a eight or nine year old you're probably (laughs) going to want the color version right i mean yes it it, you're going to want the one with the spider-man ads in it and with the color and uh, and the one you can find (laughs) you know the one you can find on a newsstand so actually you know what you're
1: right on the money i never you know what i never thought of that before part Mm. of the appeal as a kid. Is all this extra advertising that's in the book? Sure. They're advertising cereal, comic books, uh, toy lines, uh, TV shows. All this stuff is built in, and it's then you got all these. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, then you got the whoopee cushion ads and the Joy mm-hmm. buzzers and all the different things that goes into it. So I mean, part of the experience is actually you know the the advertising in it. So I mean, Marvel yeah. giving f to kids, maybe they're more likely to read through the book than they are with like an, a super large. Like imagine if you gave a kid. Elfquest, you know, the complete saga from Dark Horse, number one, that large phone book tome, you know what I mean? That you would literally kill somebody if you threw it at somebody, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? It's so big. So, (laughs) but I mean... Color is a deciding factor. Advertising is another thing that keeps you engaged. And I'm not sure if a black and white tome would attract a brand new child reader in this day and no, age.
0: I don't know. No, certainly not. Uh, the, definitely, the, the color is definitely a evaluated measure for uh, expanding the readership for sure. Definitely. Now, next we got Chris in Ohio. Now he first saw ElfQuest in ads running in the Savage Sword of Conan magazine. Hmm. He finds Elfquest to be on another level from the other more rushed comics on the stands, and he will be around for as long Marvel continues to publish it. He's got some questions, though. A bit about Epic having to chop up the original issues to make them fit the Marvel way. And also asks if there'll be any Comics Code Authority censorship now that these books are coming out through Marvel. Well, Mm -hmm. uh, Richard talks a bit about the extra transition pages to make the stories fit the Marvel standard. We've talked about those at length here. Oh yeah, and he doesn't see the CCA objecting to anything in ElfQuest, though. Uh, we will see how that plays out later on down the line. I do believe there <laughs> are a handful. Uh, it might just be a couple of issues that do ship without the Comics Code stamp later uh,
1: on. So, something tells me if they haven't overlooked some of like the the stronger like adult elements that comes a little bit later in the book. Mm. I mean, I remember as a kid. And, like, gleefully pouring through, like, the dirty parts of the book. You know what I mean? That was mm-hmm. cutting edge to me. I'm like, oh, my God, what's happening here? Are sure. They, the are the they sexuality, having the, sexy, the violence. Yeah. I mean, Are yeah. they having the sexy time? They're having the sexy time. <laughs> they are. Spider, Spider-Man doesn't have the sexy time. What's going on here? <laughs> Cutter's grabbing
0: ass. What's going on? It's true. It's true. So uh, we will, of course, we will mention that as we get to it, which books don't have the uh, the comics yes. code authority seal on it. Now, next, we have Beth in Ohio, another one in Ohio. Uh, discovered ElfQuest in an ad, went out and bought all of the collected editions. Now, when the epic run was announced, didn't really see any reason to double dip, but she's glad she did, and RP is glad too.
1: <laughs> I bet he is. <laughs> to be fair, though, you know what? It is a different reading experience. So depending on your entry, you know, I think the collected novels, like I said, is the best way to digest the series. But coming in sight scene, there's nothing wrong with the Marvel.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, another thing I just thought about— we're looking at the letters page right now. That's another thing you're going to get in the Marvel book. And I'm sure there were letters pages in the Warp ones, but you're going to get new letters here. Exactly. And uh, I mean, that over over on uh, the Essential X-Lapse, where I'm looking at the earliest X-Men appearances, I'm including letters pages in those episodes because that's not something you see very often. And, and, it, and it really helps to get the mindset because, I mean, we're looking at this thing. We're looking at ElfQuest right now with 35, 40 years of hindsight. Yep. Right now, we're on the ground floor with you know Beth in Ohio, with Chris in Ohio, who are experiencing these things maybe for the first time, maybe for the second right. time. But we're getting their reactions here, and I just love this part of the experience. So if you are a Beth in Ohio who owns the entire run, you might double dip for these letters pages just to get into more conversation. There was no internet the way it is now. There was BBSs and stuff in the mid-'80s. but. Yep. There was no internet the way we are now. We can't just pull something out of our pocket and be like, hey, I like this issue of ElfQuest and have people be like, yeah, me too. Or no, I I thought this was wrong. Oh, I like this very much. This was a way for people to communicate. And so if you are an ElfQuest fan, I mean, God love you if you bought all the Warp stuff. But you may not have the sense of community that you have with with the Marvel or, or an expanded community, I should say, because I'm sure there was a wonderful community around the Warp stuff. But this is just more of that, and I think that's just fantastic. Well, you're entering a community, you know what I mean? Exactly.
1: So the community exists, and -hmm. then you've got extra content, so you're getting new parts of that. Now, my wonder is, how did the Wolf, um, the Elfquest fan base React to these new fans who are coming in as the Marvel characters. You know, there's all there's always divisions within fans. Take a look, take a look at Star Wars fans. I mean, you got fans of the original trilogy, Mm -hmm. you've got fans of the new um of the the prequels, and then Mm -hmm. you got the the Disney fans, you know what I mean? And they are three separate, seriously divided camps. And then you get you know, some folks who are middle ground who like all the content, but they are three divided camps. I'm wondering. Was there a division in the fan base at the time between the epic and the original run? Something tells me it. that there was there was a little bit a bit of difference because I yeah. think the original fan base are were the you know the more likely to be deeply involved. It was an indie thing. It was you know the hipsters. Yeah, yeah. It was like discovering this band you had yep. hadn't broken yet. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, there, and there's some cachet to that. You're the guy wearing the t shirt. Now all of a sudden you're at the mall. And there's 10 other kids who maybe not even of age that are wearing that yep. same shirt. And you're like, hold on here now. <laughs> you didn't earn that. <laughs> yeah. Take off that Thundercats shirt, kid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's it's that's that's kind of like uh my X-Men fandom was uh was yes. with the Jim Lee stuff. I was part of a new generation of fans that the generation before me did not like. <laughs> you know, they didn't want me there. Right and, on uh, the money. Yeah, it's it's very true. It's very true. This was a uh, this was a tidal wave for ElfQuest. New fandom, new reach, new avenues. And uh, I wonder how the uh, the original fans were just like, wait a second. I had to go to all these boutique stores to find this and you could just get it on a newsstand. That ain't fair.
1: I remember the guy who ran the comic shop in our town when the Marvel McFarlane um, Mm -hmm. adjectiveless Spider-Man debuted. He was disgusted selling that thing. (laughs) Really? Oh, not a, <laughs> I don't know what you kids see in this guy He's not better than Jazzy Johnny That's for sure <laughs> In his exact words, that's, by the way That's great that's, Jazzy Johnny
0: Jazzy John Basima uh, <laughs> Next we got Robert, in Massachusetts Now, uh, he read Elf Quest number one Three entire times And he says that this is the book of his dreams
1: <laughs> what a weirdo! Other, other than that, you know, uh, other than that, he is just he's just got weird dreams. But I think he uh, I think this guy falls. If you put a postage stamp and sent off that this is the book of your dreams and you qualify as a weirdo, sorry, Robert in MA. There you
0: go. Yes, uh, Liz in New York, she finds ElfQuest to be phantasmical oh, and yeah. has a question about the High One's Palace and the Preservers. And as usual, uh, Richard will not give anything away. Nor should he. He wants to make sure that the fans of Marvel experience this for the first time the way they were meant to experience it for the first time.
1: I always found that they did so little with the palace anyway, you know what I mean? The <laughs> discussion of the palace up front, like, even in merchandising, you know, I mean, there was very little ElfQuest merchandising, but the yeah. stuff that you did, where's the palace? I mean, this is gold, sure. in my opinion, you know what I, I mean?
0: I mean, in the mid-80s, could you imagine an ElfQuest line of action figures? Uh, with the like, play sets, with people, the wolves, listen, people on, people with people, the people would have bought it.
1: People wouldn't even need to know that there were comic book. People would have care. chewed it would that up you Mm -hmm. have the you have the high ones palace you have the The uh the troll kingdom you'd Mm -hmm. get all the the underground kingdom you've got uh you know the um uh the desert scene you get there's Mm -hmm. so much that you can put in here and uh man missed opportunity
0: hundred percent but uh those were our letters next we're going to go into the bullpen bulletins now um Jim Shooter writes a eulogy for Danny Crespi, a Marvel manager who had just passed away from leukemia. That's the yep. entire top portion here, and that's that's perfectly fine. That's a uh, can you eulogy. can
1: you imagine what that eulogy sounds like? I'm, I'm just being I'm just being comedically
0: cruel now. I mean, we know that Jim Shooter has uh has delivered some eulogies that were were more about getting Jim Shooter over than uh than really paying tribute. Uh, Danny Crespi,
1: Danny Crespi was alright, but he couldn't manage to get his stuff in on time, so I canned him
0: <laughs> I like the guy,
1: but I canned him
0: <laughs> Terrible. Rest in peace, Danny Crespi Yes, Put Thor had a mustache in one issue, and I said no um, <laughs> But we got our Mighty Marvel checklist, of course And uh, just some of the big titles here We've got Oh Hot Moon Number One, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe What are your thoughts on the moves and the Who's Who's and all that kind of stuff.
1: Loved it. This was a mm-hmm. game changer, man. If you were a fan, getting that history laid right in your lap, I love oh, Marvel God. and DC's versions of both these books. So much fun. You just got like a powder keg of knowledge. So, I mean, oh, yeah. all of a sudden, everybody was an expert. When you had your Who's Who, you go, oh, the Pied Piper first appeared yeah. in this and this and this. But it helped you with your collection, too. Because mm-hmm. you're like, if you, if you knew that this character, you know, first appeared in this one, all of a sudden, you knew where to go to find them. You didn't yep. have to go through 9,000 pages of the Overstreet Price Guide Trying to sift yeah. through what <laughs> this first appearance was You got key moments in their history too mm-hmm. So, you know, it would break down little parts of their storyline and history And then you're able to go back and research Oh, I wonder when the Green Goblin was revealed as uh, Norman Osborn You know what I mean? Like, you're able to find out this history And it was so, so good But guess what? Guess which one I like better?
0: Who's who? who's who
1: dc (laughs) had a more readable version of this thing and and more characters that i liked even the uh (laughs) even the rogues gallery i just dug who's who like right to pieces
0: oh yeah it's it's one of those things that makes me nostalgic for a time that i wasn't even really in the fandom because everything you needed was right there i mean now i mean marvel tried doing uh uh, like an update to the uh the uh, hot moves back in like the mid 2000s and at that point continuity was already down the toilet You know, that was deep into the Casada days and maybe even into the Alonzo days where nobody cared about continuity. Things could be contradictory. Things could be omitted. It didn't matter. But back then, especially under someone like Jim Shooter, it would be like, yeah, this is the this is it. You know, these are the official handbooks. And God, I just I just love it. I just absolutely love it. It tells you everything you think you might have to know about these characters. So uh, definitely essential reading. Uh, and I mean, I still pick these up in the wild if I come across them, even though they are so out of date. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. They're basically obsolete at this point, but they're just still just so fun to have and, and fun to uh, to flip through. Uh, another thing that was launched is Marvel Saga. So, uh, what are your thoughts on Marvel Saga? Marvel Saga number one
1: came oh, out. Oh, legend! Man, did I love this! Like you talk about a deep dive into Marvel history. You, back in the day, you know, you you couldn't just go like you do now and buy your you know large batch of essentials and find mm-hmm. all this on demand and all that type of stuff. Sure. So, but not only that, it put everything in chronological order. Was it Mark
0: Grunwald yeah. who oversaw this? I would I would not doubt it. I would not man
1: who whoever put this together I mean what a piece of history because he had to take all this tangential history make oh, sense yeah. of it and put it in a time frame so you know I heard some podcasts I think it was the comic book historians podcast they talked mm-hmm. about this and they talked about how making these books that you know just the process of mapping out and giving something a date of when these events happened oh, yeah. took forever so I mean mm-hmm. But, and i'm I'm confident it was Mark groomwald. i'm I'm not one hundred percent sure. He but was like
0: he was definitely a continuity cop. So I would imagine he was uh, he was at least part of this.
1: Uh, oh, but could you imagine just taking all this back history? And I mean, you talk about a lot of the Silver Age stuff, which a lot of nonsensical stories, sure. And just making it fit chronologically was oh, yeah. had to be a challenge. had to be oh, a challenge. Yeah. but man, I
0: was I, Peter Sanderson involved, maybe? he I know he did a lot of uh, a lot of that kind of work for both Marvel and d c back in the day. Maybe Not he sure. was part of it. I don't know. I would, we but, probably uh, should have checked, but I mean, what are you going to do?
1: This is a game changer, though, man. What a, yeah. what a what a passion project this was. I bought every issue right till the finish. Mm-hmm.
0: Loved it. Because Loved even it. like right now, there is a uh, like a new version of this coming out that Mark yeah. Wade is writing the the yep. history of the Marvel Universe series, which I haven't picked up. But uh, I wonder how similar it is to the Marvel saga. Now, one of the things that I'm doing right now is uh, with the Essential X-Lapse, another cheap plug there. I'm trying to include things that aren't necessarily X-Men books that are essential to the X-Men story. Right. And I'm going through the old X-Men indexes, which uh, those things are – they have a lot of information in there. And the people who wrote them are going to these ridiculous lengths trying to like – Well, this issue of X-Men happened two weeks before Peter Parker graduated high school. But three weeks after Reed and Sue got married, it's like they fit in all this stuff. And it's just insane, the amount of detail.
1: Oh, yeah, man. This is, I mean, yeah, you talk about doing Marvel sagas, one thing. But just imagine Mm -hmm. indexing. Oh, my -hmm. God.
0: Absolutely. Now, we we actually have the Fantastic Four index number one, speaking of which, which, uh, I mean, They are what they are. Uh, You'll be able to find uh, basically what you want to see. It'll the thing that I love about them is that the it'll tell you like it's like who's appearing here Uh, thing next appearance in uh, Strange Tales number whatever. You know, it'll tell you like from issue to issue where you can follow this character, which is something you could never, ever do today. You know, it's like, you know, that Ben Grimm was in these two books and this is the order those appearances happened in. I love that they did that. Um, I wish we had more like that now. It just, I mean, when we have Wolverine in, in 15 books a month and uh, and Captain America in 23 books a month, it's it's kind of hard to do. So, what are you gonna do? Um, what are you to do right. Yeah, another book we got is the Rom Annual number four, featuring the Shi'ar Imperial Guard. and we haven't really talked much about Rom. I think I think we've mentioned them in passing a few times, but uh. Rom is a character and a concept that I think a lot of people have a lot of nostalgia for. I Definitely. am not one of those people.
1: <laughs> oh, no. Okay. <laughs> Tell me why. Tell me why. We need to discuss Rom here.
0: I don't care about robots. he a robot. <laughs> he's a space knight. But is there a, a human A I know he's a well, Galadorian. There's,
1: yeah, there's a, well, not a human per se. A Galadorian is underneath that armor, yes.
0: Okay, okay. So maybe I need to give it a second look then. I I just never got I, – I have every issue of it. I got them all in a quarter, Ben. I've just never read it. And... Oh my god.
1: It's like, Listen, I'm telling you. It is It is actually so good. And I mean it's based on a, a toy property, which yeah. – yeah, I think it was Parker Brothers I think released this thing. But uh, when you say a basic toy, I mean this thing oh, was – it was an oversized, very stiff robot. It's like one of those things you got at Radio Shack, with that you had to put like two giant D-cell batteries. <laughs> and the only thing it did, it barely it moved. Light up its eyes. Light, yeah. <laughs> light up, light up its eyes and shoot his gun. You know what I mean? Glowing gun. I mean, it was extremely basic. But uh, man, did they take this in a new direction? They gave him like the Dire Wraiths as their yeah. enemy, and they were like shape-shifting villains that were part alien, and you know, Ram was going around just lighting up people, and you know, people thinking he's part murderer and part alien space raider, and he had to, you know, there's a, just so many textures to this thing, and I, I was a super mm. fan of it, loved it.
0: And now, now it's coming out through IDW, right?
1: Oh no, 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 that that ain't Ram. <laughs> no no so you were part of the package of rom that exists in the marvel universe a lot of his stories centered around you know his his journeys with the avengers the x-men his crossovers you know what i mean that's what really built rom up and then all of a sudden you remove every part of it and you got to remove the term space knight and everything about him that makes him you know even his relationships on earth and they got to change what the Dire race looks like it's a completely different book with rom in it that's all it is it's uh, now, is it good? Yeah, you know what? It's a good book, but it's not ROM.
0: Gotcha, is gotcha. Yeah, they they just recently brought back the Space Knights in Cable, the right. X Men book, and uh, like Cable even like wields the Light of Galador sword now. So,
1: so here's here's the thing. So they own the rights to everything that they did with the property. They just okay. don't own ROM. Weird.
0: That's so yeah. weird.
1: They, That's uh, too so Someone just needs to put IDW out of business, which is, could happen any day, by the way, uh, <laughs> Probably, yeah. because, of, because of their blatant mishandling. Who Listen, Chris, answer this question. Mm-hmm. Who screws up a comic company that's based on some of the most popular licenses that's out there? They own G.I. Joe. Yep. They own Transformers. They own ROM. They own Mask. They uh, You name it. They've got all this stuff. And they can't seem to keep a title on the shelves for more than you know 20 issues. I I just don't understand it. It's
0: true. It's true. I think the only one they have that that kind of goes is uh. Do they have the turtles right now? Yeah, we got turtles. Yeah. Absolutely. So that one, that one, I think is uh is maybe the top success for uh, current year IDW. I, right. I I don't have the time to read things that are out of universe, so I don't know. No, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, another book we got on the shelves this month is Heroes for Hope featuring the X-Men. This is the uh, this is the uh, the African tribute. Uh, and yeah, what to, a beautiful
1: cover on this one. The Wolverine oh, yeah. on the cover. sold Art this Adams. Book. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, and it's beautiful, man. It yeah. is absolutely beautiful until you read it. And then oh it's life. like super depressing. I mean yeah. it's it's all about what a what a beautiful idea beautiful concept to raise money for children in Africa that was a big deal Sally Struthers was on TV you know uh Fat as a uh, new as a uh, a turkey over Thanksgiving dinner, and she's crying, and the kids got flies on them, and everybody's starving, and it's a whole situation. It's not yeah. good. I mean, starvation was really, really, really top of top of topic back then. Yeah. So you know, you had music bands come together, everybody's world. raising money, yeah. and they did this one, Heroes for Hope. And I mean, when you look at this book, this one, the first things you grab. And I uh, tell you what, it is hard to read. I mean, it is, you know, children dying and it's a real, a real kick in the nuts, man. I'm telling you right now. But uh, oh. what what a what a great thing to do, though. Comic for books that sure. sold a ton, and you could tell they sold because these things were everywhere. And back in my day, everybody had this thing.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Good um, on purple. For sure. And uh the DC would do their uh Heroes for Hunger, right? So they yeah. uh yeah, they uh, they both were doing this, and uh, it was a good thing. Good thing all yeah, around.
1: It was, a, it was a good thing, man, and I feel bad about, uh, you know, I feel like giving money to UNICEF here now, going to get a box and going door-to-door
0: right now as there we speak. There you go. There you go. It's almost Halloween, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh We've got Uncanny X-Men number 200, which features the Trial of Magneto for the first time because we do have another Trial of Magneto coming up in uh, just a few uh, weeks. That's kicking yes. off, so... Uh, I think it's worth mentioning that it it did happen before. Um, we got Marvel Age number thirty-one, the first look at X Factor, and uh, I actually spoke to uh, Kurt Busick at a comic convention a couple of years ago, four or five years ago, I think. I interviewed him for uh, DC in the eighties, and uh, while I was there, I couldn't I couldn't resist asking about the whole Gene uh, Grey uh, X Factor thing that he helped to uh, he helped to uh, you know facilitate the return of Gene Grey and kind of the absolving of killing the. Uh, Killing the asparagus people. So that was a, that was a fun conversation. Um, and I know he was uh, an editor, I believe, on Marvel Age. And he told me that for these X Factor first looks, he had to he had to write it all up and then redact a bunch of it. So like you would have like the black bars over it. So you would, oh, yes. you'd have to like buy the issue to find out exactly what happened. So That was oh, pretty that's,
1: cool. That's a good idea because Rob Liefeld is going through something now with Cree, with, uh, with Crusaders.
0: Uh huh. Where he had his
1: uh, his new Archie line. He's doing the shield. And it yes. uh, got spoiled at a convention because someone handed out an ash can with the spoiler the right in the very it. back of the convention. <laughs> <laughs> Which right. basically told people exactly what the whole game was. So, you know, killing Save any. 4 dollars yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Terrible. Bad idea.
0: Indeed. Uh, we've got Marvel Graphic Novel number 19, really not important, but since we do name the Marvel Graphic Novels, uh, this is the Witch Queen of Asheron, and this is a Conan story, which I have no basis of uh, knowledge in, so that's a thing that was. Yeah. Uh, now for our epic focus, we got a slew of books here, Dreadstar and Company number 6, Grew the Wanderer number 10, Black Dragon the Limited Series number 6, Sisterhood of Steel number six, Dreadstar 21, El- Alien Legion number 10, and ElfQuest numero five, which we just discussed. Now, uh, we also have our Star comics. We like talking about Star comics. here. Yay. We talked about some of them last time, but this is, uh, I guess, a lot of those were bi-monthly. So we have the other month's worth of uh, of uh, offerings here. We got Misty number one. Ah, uh, um, You want to know something about Misty? Yes, I'd like so, to know so, anything it's... about Misty
1: so misty is like your your fashion model almost the like model. Your katie yeah. almost like your katie keen from archie comics okay gotcha. uh so you know it's it's the basic thing where she's you know having her little fun antics with her little dog and you know at the hair salon and doing all kinds of of weird 80s stereotypical girly stuff and i managed to get misty number two from a sears comic collection so you know, you used to be able to back in the day order from the catalog and they had sure. comic book collections with guaranteed collectibles inside. Number
0: ones. <laughs> not even
1: not even MISTY number one. I got Misty <laughs> number two. Great. I,
0: this I was wonder, dreadful. I wonder why they didn't just use Millie the model.
1: I don't know. I don't I mean, especially when you're going after franchises like Fraggle Rock and Strawberry Shortcake. Sure. Millie the model is just sitting there, just do it. Exactly.
0: Keep keep the
1: keep the copyright going here. But yeah. you could dress you could dress Misty up. I'm sure there's Misty 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 comics number one with with Misty actually cut out and her you know paper clothes somewhere. I wonder do people actually still have those and still playing with it. That, how sad would that be?
0: Send us pictures.
1: Here, here, <laughs> kids. Here's a cut out paper Misty doll right from Misty number two, with this pin on
0: skirt <laughs> with the with the flaps all broken off. So you have to like use double <laughs> Just... double sided tape.
1: Just think about how you'd be laughed out of the community. Everybody, you know, everybody's kid got their Barbies or their G.I. Joe. And out comes Chris's kid with a <laughs> with paper, misty paper misty dolls. doll.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Love it. With some homemade dresses. Um, <laughs> and as you mentioned, we do have Fraggle Rock number five, Strawberry Shortcake number five. I remember growing up, Fraggle Rock was like this, like forbidden fruit because it was on HBO. Oh, Yeah. And like so, it wasn't on regular TV. So all the rich kids in the neighborhood would be like, "Oh, Fraggle Rock's the best thing ever." And uh, and then you'd see it, and I'd be like, "This isn't that great. <laughs> I didn't think it was all that wonderful." Uh, I, I was like, "Yeah, I'll keep my uh, Muppet Babies. It's fine. You can you can have your your Fraggle Rock." Um, we got Thundercats number one.
1: Yes, Thundercats hmm. number one. One of the first comics I ever bought in a LCS and i was humiliated by the store owner for buying what? it. what why he actually told me it was garbage <laughs> how old were you oh man well whatever let me see what what air what uh it's 85 85 so i am 11 years old
0: and he's telling you you're buying oh come on he
1: told me it was garbage now to be a, you know, to understand, I'm going into an overpriced comic shop, and I mean, they had high prices at the time, of course. and I'm going through the bins, and I'm super excited because, you know, Star Comics was out for a little while at this point, but I never did get Thundercats number one, so I <laughs> saw it in the bin, and at the time, when you look at the ads in the comic books, it had Thundercats as a hot book. Sure. Right because it was popular as one of those Ones that uh, from you know the odd times When you know like you you got a List of all the comics and they'd be like Just all listed out there of exactly what's for Sale and every now and then they would have A inset picture of just one or two Of the comics on the page sure And I remember Thundercats number one was One of those so I thought I was getting this great Book you know what I mean that's hot and Actually at the time it was it was a collectible People were actually looking for it Mm -hmm. and this Guy just basically told me it was garbage why are You buying that (laughs) straight up like man you talk about walking out of the store with your your head in your hand going man. anyway this was that, the same guy who tried to sell me uh watchman number one back in the day when it was released and i said no and i left there with uh son of the ambush bug number one honey <laughs> sonic disruptors
0: you, oh god that's right. The US, that's right the united states of rock so, so
1: maybe he was right, Chris. I don't
0: know. Oh, that, that might—the uh, Sonic Disruptors is probably a show we should do because that was <laughs> yeah. that was one that was advertised for twelve issues, but only seven went out before they canned it. So we can make <laughs> up eight through twelve, I think. <laughs> we could probably get. I think it was Mike. Was it who was it that wrote that? Was it Mike Barron? I don't remember yes, who it
1: I, was. I think you're right.
0: Yeah, so we could probably get him on the show to, to, to do uh-huh. uh, episodes so 8 through 12 with us. Yes! With the unseen Sonic Disruptors. Uh, I love it. Oh, boy. Uh, finally, we have Heathcliff number five, the uh, the fake-ass Garfield. I, I never liked Heathcliff. No? Why? So, I, always, I always saw him as the lesser Garfield. I didn't know oh. how many orange cats I needed to care about. So do you remember those digests? Mm-hmm. Do you remember like
1: the digest format and all that type of stuff? Sure, not the long sure. ones like Garfield, but I think if if I'm not mistaken didn't Heathcliff come before Garfield? Be I might be nice. wrong on this. Oh I'm not God. sure, but they used to have these like small digest collections, and they were like they were like novel size, like that type of that type of deal. Sure, like and little paperbacks. All, yeah, like little paperbacks. They had like Sad Sack and the Surge and Heathcliff and Andy Kapp and Asterix. All these would be in the these little newspaper strip type collections, and that's where I first caught onto Heathcliff. I loved it, and when it came out in Star Comics, I'm like, hell yes, let's buy Heathcliff. <laughs> It was fairly rare to find one, to be quite honest with you It was one of the ones that you didn't see a lot on the rack So I don't know if it was a distribution thing But I tell you what, there was no shortage of Misty number one So I'll help you know
0: <laughs> And uh, it looks like Heathcliff was before Garfield So uh, ah, Heathcliff was in 1973 And uh, Garfield started as a comic called John And that was in 1976 And then went national as Garfield in 1978 So Gotcha Waka 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 sorry Heathcliff you're 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 still a lesser Garfield to me but you're not a copy um <laughs> now that is our bullpen bulletins but we do have some ads here and uh like we were talking about the ads are some of the funnest stuff if you're uh if you're trying to get into the gestalt of these books and the first one we have is a toy line it is mask what do you think yes. about mask
1: I'm gonna tell you exactly what I think a mask hang tight <laughs> there we go Mm-hmm. Get ready for this sonic blast. You ready? Oh, yeah, it's coming. Listen to that. Check this out.
0: Mm.
1: Now, that's how you start a weekday show, baby. Write that with that <gasps> rocking theme right off the bat. Mask I want to tell you all about masks The ultimate
0: warrior uh, theme Of uh, the cartoon world
1: (laughs) This thing kicked ass Man so Mm -hmm. they weren't They were a miniature size though so here's the deal So a series of crime fighting Secret agents uh, they're fighting A a, uh, cobra like Terrorist organization called sure. Venom. Okay. Very, every, everything is snake related, of course. They were not the original three and three quarter size like the popular toys of the day, like G.I. Joe, like Star Wars. Star Wars. They were a miniature size. So, you know, they were about half the size of uh, these three and three quarter type size. So, you know, Matt Tracker took on, uh, you know, the had a whole bunch of commandos who drove vehicles. But they weren't only vehicles, they were weapons that transformed. So the car would, you know, the doors would come up and it would become a flying car with weapons. They had a transport truck that turned into an operations base center with rocket launchers. They had a gas bar that opened up and became like a full-fledged action center. I was all over Mm -hmm. this format. The only problem was... You know, it didn't last very long. It came out like a rocket. I mean, you know, everybody was masked. Oh, mask this, mask that. Mm-hmm. The cartoon came on. People were digging it, but it just fizzled and went away really quick. So it had a really brief stay. And you know what? other toy companies jumped on at the time because there was something called Sky commanders and probably the more popular Dino riders. So yes. they had, you know, giant dinosaurs with like the mini figures. And you know, when you say size is everything, it actually is in this case because I mean you produced a toy, a very very good toy, which is probably going to be remembered as somewhat of a dud because you know you know after the first cup after the first wave or two it just disappeared you know what I mean it never yeah. had longevity, and you know a lot of people cite the cartoon as being you know everybody loves Mask I love Mask back in the day but nobody can recall the second season. So hmm. it basically almost got cancelled So they okay. brought it back for I think A limited run of like these things used to go Like you know A, 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 a season back in the day Was almost like 65 episodes Oh
0: it was ridiculous you know I mean? yeah Yeah, it was yeah ridiculous. Super So
1: anyway yeah. when they came back For the second season it was an abbreviated one Like 10 episodes okay. but It was completely different They hmm. made Mask a racing team And Venom what? was their racing team Equivalent oh, So boy. the entire second season No more of these international terrorism and all that stuff. Nope. They were combative racers. So Venom, it was a racing series. And they even started to produce a line of toys. And I think they only, even some of them only debuted over in Europe. I don't think they even produced the entire line here in the States. But uh, man, if you want to talk about mask, you don't even know what you're talking about. Just check out mask season two, completely different. So this thing went out on not only a whimper, but just it, it died. And nobody wow. wanted this, and like washed the floor with it. It was out of people's minds and out of the uh, the uh, the zeitgeist really quick.
0: I I didn't even know about that. I mean, mask to me, it was uh I always I always put mask and uh like the Sega Master System in the same sort of realm <laughs> because like all the kids on the block had a Nintendo and they all yes. had GI Joes and they all had Star Wars. Too. Yes. But then like there was that one kid who had the Sega. And would have mask, you know, it was like, it wasn't it would, like everybody owned it, but that, and, and I mean, you could always see that. I mean, looking back at like the Sega Master System, it was definitely of higher quality than a Nintendo. Yeah. The, uh, the mask toys looked like they were of very high quality, but like nobody I knew had them except for the one kid. And well, I, I think a lot I, of it had to do with the size. Oh, definitely. And they yeah. were hard to get.
1: So in my hometown I couldn't find a lot of them. So, mm-hmm. you know, I had I had one of the smaller figure packs because you could get the figures separately sometimes. Sure. But I went to New York on a okay. on a trip with my dad and my grandfather. And of course they brought me to the Super Toys R Us out there. Sure. And I went crazy, Chris. I bought a stack of GoBots. I bought a stack of Young Joes. <laughs> and I cleaned up on the masks. I mean, I don't know how much my dad spent on me that trip, but I completely annihilated it. I had the Thunder Thunderhawk with Matt Tracker. I had the Rhino, which was the giant transforming uh, transport truck. I had the, the base, the gas station. I had all that stuff. And I just brought back a heap of stuff. I mean, my mother must have been like... What did you do? Did you blow the budget on Chris? And, I mean, I filled up on Twinkies and Slurpees. I was living the U.S. dream, Daddy. <laughs> the but then all think. of a sudden, you get them home and you realize that you can't play with them. Yeah. Like they, like you have these two and two three figure sets that don't play well with anything else. No. Your G.I. Joes didn't fit inside the cars or the vehicles. I mean, mm. it was basically pointless unless you wanted to have like a little people contingent on your gi joe (laughs) there
0: you go there the uh this is a tunnel rat can uh can run them through (laughs) the uh, (laughs) sewers Now another fun uh ad we have here that uh we like it so much we got it twice here um we've got saturday you remember when saturday morning cartoons were something that were actually like on television is that still a thing
1: they used to uh not really so you know that died when well a number of reasons it died people you know uh, this table. program is this programming is expensive okay producing animated cartoons is mm-hmm. expensive so they were switching to more live action fair back in the day so you know as we as saturday morning cartoons were phasing out and moving to their own networks sure. so you know you, you all of a sudden we had Teletoon here in canada you guys mm-hmm. had cartoon network.
0: network yeah you know we're what i mean
1: so it's so yeah it started to franchise it out from saturday morning and weekday cartoons as well so now sure. you know it Saturday mornings was not all of a sudden a destination that you had to go to to see cartoons. You could see it after school. You could see it on these own networks. So, you know, it wasn't a specialty thing. And, of course, programming, like I said, was very expensive. So then you got the save by the Bells. Then you got the California yep. Dreams. And started, And then you just got, like, the outright kids' news shows.
0: Yeah, and then, <laughs> then, then,
1: then all of a sudden you're watching Saturday morning. You barely get three cartoons, and then the, the whole thing is over. Yeah. But, man. Back in this day in '85, that was not the case. We were in the middle of harmony here, baby. Hog heaven. Hog Let's heaven. talk about this lineup. I'm, I can't yes. wait.
0: This is the NBC Saturday morning. Um, I'm going oh, to guess that big, this was the fall of 85, right?
1: NBC always used to be, in my opinion, the big boy. Like this was the, the Cadillac of, of, uh, absolutely. of U.S. stations. I don't know what you guys felt, but in Canada, that's that's the way it always appeared to
0: us. For cartoons, was the, absolutely. was the big dog, Yep. Yeah. Now we start with the snorks. Hmm. Eh, yeah. I don't have much to say about the snorks. Um, snorks?
1: snorks we got as a afternoon it was an after school show it debuted okay. on atlantic satellite network here in canada and it was basically smurfs, the smurfs underwater. underwater yeah basically yeah that's exactly what it was that's it and, and it was they, okay. they did they yeah it was okay and you know i had all-star the uh the, the main snork but uh that's about all
0: i can remember of it not not yeah.
1: a i mean it was just there it existed
0: and i know there was like one snork that they had as a pet but he lay. Like, yeah, I I don't know why he was a pet instead of just another snork. I I don't know. It's kind of like that whole like Goofy is a walking dog and Pluto is just a dog dog. <laughs> you know? Um. Next we got uh, a show that I forgot was even on Saturday mornings because I think the first time I saw this was on the Disney afternoon and that was right. the Adventures of the Gummy Bears. You so, talk uh,
1: about an iconic song.
0: Oh, totally bouncing, here, bouncing and there and here and
1: there and everywhere i mean this was great i I, mm-hmm. I was right in i was their target audience right here during this i loved like disney was rocking and rolling back then everything they were they were connecting with me were were hits rescue rangers oh, you know L-spin. what i mean they had yeah. Tailspin, you know, uh, all these things duck were tales. just so so good. Ducktail, Ducktail, mm. woo! <laughs> they couldn't, they could, they couldn't miss. And I mean, yeah. Gummy Bears was amazing. Now mm. you talk about an adventure show. This had continuity, like not oh, like yeah. some things continued into the next show. Some themes, characters, storylines continued on, which was great, which was basically the Teddy Ruxpin formula, honestly. And mm. I thought it worked fantastic. Loved the show, loved the theme. I can still remember it clear as day did you ever get any of the toys
0: or the dolls of
1: gummy guess. bears yeah you know what i never i think maybe we had maybe a plushie in our house of the my, uh, the bigger guy i never my, had any of the toys my sister had them
0: and it wow. was basically a small like a beanie baby sized toy oh yeah But it had half of a of a, a ball attached to its butt so you oh, could so actually like, like, like a throw it yeah, yeah. Like instead, of like where its butt is, it would have like half of like a like a, a handball, like one that you'd hit against the wall, and you could throw this thing at the ground and it would bounce. So like a beanbag thing. Yeah, but, but it, would have oh, wait, a ball it would bounce. On. Oh, it would bounce. Yeah, wow. so it had like a, like a like one of those uh, handball sort of things. Well, oh, so they could literally bounce here and there and everywhere. And everywhere, yeah. And then they'd hit the wall, hit the window, and your mom would get very angry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, we have Smurfs. Smurfs oh. are a lot of fun.
1: Now this is a show that yeah it was a lot of fun so it was your basic theme you know Papa Smurf Smurfette and all the gang Brainy Smurf you know you had a, you had a Smurf that that did every recognizable form of behavior mm-hmm. so you had the nerd you had the hot girl you had the handy, old guy yeah. you had the handy you had the grumpy kid you know you, Strong, you basically yeah. you had all the different Smurfs and boy they were marketing the crap out of this oh, thing what was yeah. the who what was the company Peeny or Penny what was it the, was Peo Peo there you go. And, man, boy, did they, uh, did they market the crap out of this. Smurfs Very were everywhere high. back then. You could find mm-hmm. these. Remember the little rubber? Like, they didn't oh, yeah. move. They were just the figurines, and they were mm-hmm. super popular, man. And they were a collectible mm-hmm. back in the day. I mean, having a Smurfs collection was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Now, this was a show that probably went on a little bit too long because it, it was on Saturday mornings forever, Ever. felt. Forever. Yeah. But... As the show went on, it went away from like the one and done little segment thing. So, an episode of The Smurfs used to be like a four block of like mini
0: cartoons, you know like what I mean? Where, it would be yeah, like, like a collection of shorter episodes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And then it ended up being morphed into like almost like an adventure show. So, yeah. they they brought in like characters like Pee Wee and Johan and
0: new and villains. That little and girl, the, the young girl, too.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it became one of these things where it was like the sitcom cousin formula, you know, you know, when a sitcom was about to die and they started bringing in Oliver the the funny kid, you know what I mean? The cousin you didn't know existed. (laughs) And that's exactly what happened here. Now, during this time, the Smurfs actually had a movie and I'm not even sure it was released in the US, but I know I know VHS came out. It was called Smurfs and the Magic Flute. Now, back in the time when we got it, it was all in French. Oh, wow. But it was sort of like this out-of-continuity weird offshoot movie, and uh, man, you you really got to see it to believe it. I think it's on YouTube. It's called Smurfs and the Magic Flute, and it's like characters – like they didn't have the same voice actors, and like there's just a lot of stuff that seemed out of place. I don't know if it was a movie that was done early and – Oh, Weird just really weird but anyway smurfs and the magic flute check it out if you're a smurfs fan but yeah boy this uh this needed to stop i'd say about two seasons before it actually ended but i I had i got great memories of the smurfs and boy money was made chris
0: now what was gargamel gonna do with them if he caught them was he supposed was he gonna eat them wasn't he gonna boil them i think was he gonna eat them or do something yeah
1: yeah oh no he had nasty intentions and no doubt about it you know
0: chewing these smurfs with those rotten teeth i don't know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now, those uh, little figurines that you're talking about, I still have two of those. Ah,
1: um,
0: yes. I have uh, – it's a Smurfette holding a pie and another Smurf holding a turkey, and I put them out every Thanksgiving on my table. <laughs> so well done. I have to see part, a picture of those. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. It's it's part of our Thanksgiving decor is, is my two little Smurfs. Um, <laughs> well next up, we got – I mean, this is weird. Um, Punky Brewster got a cartoon. You, you remember remember Punky's adventures with friggin' Glomer?
1: Man, you know what? I didn't see this. Really? This was, this was not on my market, so I don't have any recollection of Punky Brewster on Saturday morning cartoons outside of these ads.
0: It's it's it wasn't great. She found like a magical little like little creature called mm-hmm. Glomer, and uh, her whole her whole gimmick was these magic adventures, and it was just. I mean, I'm sure people liked it. I'm sure I liked it back in the day, but <laughs> looking back on it now, it's like, huh? I don't know about that. It's, yeah, I don't know either. It's an odd
1: property. But how long did it last? That must have been short-lived. I, I want
0: to say it was probably just a year or two.
1: The reason why I say it's short-lived because anything that had a bit of tenure or episodes ended up on VHS. And I don't recall seeing Punky Brewster re-released in any form or fashion until, you know, in the past, like in the 2000s when they were no, putting everything out.
0: Yeah, what what is that? F H F A? What is it? What's F- that? F H E F H E. Wonder... Family
1: home entertainment.
0: Yeah. yeah. Is there? Let me see. Punky Brewster F H E. No. Did Did you mean Punky Brewster, Brewster the? No, I did not. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing there. Um. Now a, a great one here, and one that the funny thing about a lot of these things is that they haven't been they haven't been like syndicated because I, I think a lot of rights issues come into uh, yeah. play here. And the next couple we're going to talk about are really, really hamstrung by rights issues. And uh, the first one is Alvin and the Chipmunks.
1: Oh, my God. Let's do it. One second. One minute. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Here we go. Wait. Loves it. hmm I mean, you talk about a show that I loved. I loved every ounce of Alvin and the Chipmunks. Oh, this was comfort. Boy. This was comfort food for me. Totally. I watched. I could watch these episodes over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I did. Because, I mean, this show, you talk about a show that was on forever. And I think this was one that was on so long, possibly may have been canceled, kept on. And then they gave it another rehaul because they brought in new characters. They introduced the chipettes and they introduced all kinds of different things into it. And it never got old for me. And I was really sad when it went away, to be honest with you.
0: No, No, I can't listen to a Belinda Carlisle song without hearing the chipettes. (laughs) <laughs> Every time I hear Belinda Carlisle, I'm in. The, if I'm in the car with the wife. I'm like, oh, I'm thinking about Ooh, the chipettes. <laughs> you know I love it. So good. And it just sucks that they, because they use so much licensed music in there that they, it's like you're never gonna see these again.
1: No, nope, you, know? you literally, you literally, unless you have these on VHS tape, That's you can't it. forget it.
0: And and I I follow a bunch of places on YouTube that will sometimes put up like entire blocks of Saturday morning cartoons, yep. and they are gone within minutes. Uh, so sad it's, 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 you, you kind of got to get them and download them immediately you got to. to you, you got to I mean? if you want them you got to do it uh now the other show that had a lot of licensed music on it uh, was kid video
1: <laughs> the essence of 80s cartoons yeah. and boy has this not aged well so and we this even one told
0: featured cousin oliver
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't know what Kid Video is, it's a mishmash of Saturday morning cartoons and music videos. And, yeah. you know, it was very popular right out of the gate. So, I mean, Kid Video tried to even be like a touring band. So the kids, there's basically a, a band. It was a, it was a band of teenagers uh, called Kid Video, uh, you know, who were, got sucked into basically like video. A mirror, work. right? Was it a mirror? Yeah, a mirror, yeah. And anyway, then, of course, they had to... Find their way home, basically you know the age old concept now, it's basically dungeons and dragons, but with a with a band, right on the, exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> With the only thing that they would insert popular music videos of the day. And not only that, they went out on stage and for a couple times, they actually, you know, released Ooh. an album overseas and brand yep. had MP3s. I, I have the MP3s <laughs> of Kid Video. TLC. Yeah, my favorite is actually something. Yeah, TLC. My favorite was <laughs> You Better Run. And I love yes. that. I even used it as my, my first podcast ever did was the theme song for it. Oh,
0: but, that's
1: awesome. <laughs> I looked at it – I mean, me and you looked at this a little while ago. Yes. I mean, the artwork, I would call it uh, dodgy at best. And uh, yeah. the concept, I think, sat well to me originally. But, uh, man, there was a lot of Lionel Richie. A lot of Lionel Richie.
0: They loved all show. night long on that show.
1: <laughs> what they ever – all night long <laughs> and dancing on the ceiling yes. was just – so obviously they had sponsored music in this I mean yeah. it was very clear because I mean you see The same type of artist over and over I mean When you're dodging bands that were huge At the time like Duran Duran and mm-hmm. different Things like that you know there was an agenda Here to push uh, you know Mr. Motown himself Dancing yeah. on the ceiling not that there's <laughs> Anything wrong with Lionel Richie damn it
0: but no, you know. no no the Commodore is always good
1: Kids oh, love the Commodores, i'm sure
0: <laughs> but uh this one you i mean i don't know about now but uh you might be able to google this one and find a few episodes if you're interested uh, oh, and yeah, alvin yeah. and the chipmunks you probably won't be able to i because i i try that every so often and it never comes up uh, the one that i want to see from alvin and the chipmunks is when they met up with the star of our next show mr t oh mr t and alvin and the chipmunks was a God. fun episode and i can't find it anywhere but uh oh but Mr. T himself got his own show and because Mr. T was everywhere.
1: Boy, he was telling you to stay in school. He had after school specials.
0: Don't be he a was fool, wrap your tool.
1: Uh, yeah. And he was like <laughs> telling you to love your mama. And boy, he was all about it back then. But he was a he was a super big advocate for kids staying in school, yeah. uh, no drugs. And he lived the deal, man. He sure, lived live the it. deal.
0: He 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 was not a guy, a hypocrite to Hey, everybody, this is Chris from the future. Um, Funny thing happened while I was editing this uh, episode. Uh, We had about two minutes worth of dead air just uh, stuck right here. Um, I really can't explain it. Uh, We didn't lose much audio. It kind of just like moved everything ahead, but took out a transitional bit here. So we were talking about Mr. TNT Force. We might have lost a little bit of that chatter. Then we jump into Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends, and I think we just missed the introductory part of that. So, uh, I guess consider this the transition. We're done with Mr. T. We are on to Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends, and the other Chris is about to tell you that he did not get to watch it in the Great White North. So, there you go. Chris, Mm. this was regionally blocked. Oof
1: i saw none of these oh boy do you know how i saw these so hmm. I, I so in canada they had canadian crtc okay you know, the uh, overall you had to have canadian content okay sure so spider-man you know the 60s version was produced in canada hmm. so all the while this is being shown we got the spider-man 69 version oh boy Yes, played all throughout the 80s So Spider-Man's Amazing Friends Never appeared on one screen During the 80s, during my entire Now, I've seen it all since And Mm the first time I've ever seen it Was first when YouTube came And I was doing these random searches People had everything I mean, TV shows, you name it Everything was on there And they had Spider-Man's Amazing Friends And I found a way to save it to my hard drive And I was like, oh "Oh, my god And I sat down and watched it all And I hated it It wasn't great I thought it was so stupid. I was like, I couldn't i <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like I love the gimmick with uh with Firestar and uh Iceman, Iceman. and they had yeah. like the converting apart bachelor apartment. I love sure. that. Don't get me wrong, but the the actual shows like I love the uh I think my favorite episode was probably the origin of Firestar. I really okay. loved that I was a two parter. I loved that. I loved the X Men one, mm-hmm. uh except for, you know, Australian Wolverine, which Wolverine, I thought was yeah. hilarious.
0: <laughs> but which is
1: kind of ironic because, uh, you know, he ended up being played by an Australian, didn't he? Sure.
0: Yeah, Hugh Jackman.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I, I didn't really like it. But uh, VH, I found a VHS tape back in the day when I was um when I was just sifting through because Marvel released a, a, a set of VHS tapes. Now, they didn't okay. necessarily have any rhyme or reason. It was just collections. So just a Marvel collection super, of episodes. Marvel superheroes. So they would have an episode of Spider-Woman, Incredible Hulk, mm-hmm. Spider-Man. And they had an episode of Spider Man as Amazing Friends, and I remembered always seeing these ads, and I'm like, "Oh my God, there it is!" But I would only get like two episodes. So Ah. throughout the entire eighties, I may have seen two episodes of this show. But crazy, yeah. A lot of people got fond memories, though. I'll tell you that.
0: I'm sure I liked it when I was there for it, but uh, yeah, it's one of those things that really it is of its day, right? Oh Um, yeah. Oh yeah. It was like, another one that people really, really wax on nostalgically for are the Super Friends, and I, I was never able to get into that. <laughs> I always thought that was just, like, the dumbest stuff. I could not do it.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to be of age to understand Super Friends. So Super Friends so. was built for a very, very young audience, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're playing to five- and six-year-olds here with Super Friends because, you know— sure extremely basically simple storylines now what i'll tell you is that back in the day i think i may have been cbs i'm not sure they had the uh, galactic guardians which Mm -hmm. was basically they brought back super friends except it had Darkseid as the main villain you had um firestorm and you had cyborg on the show and Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of stuff and that show was really solid and now I huh. remember watching that one back in the 80s. But Super Friends, you know what? To be honest with you, probably before our time, and it really, really yeah. showed. You know what I mean? You you watch Super Friends today, and you're like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's fine, but you know, it's it's really dated. For Galactic, sure. Galactic Galactic Guardians, I recommend it to anybody. You'd love yeah. it. Yes,
0: yeah, so I I remember uh, they had um, these Burger King cup meals or something like that. It was like yeah. a, uh, and I remember getting the uh, the dark side one. And it's basically this dark side there with his arms crossed. And then, like, a cup with, like, there would be two holes in his chest where the cup would go. And he'd basically be the handle to the cup. Right. And they had them for all the different characters. But they gave me the dark side one with, like, the Superman cup so it didn't right. fit. Yep. <laughs> so like, oh, my God. And I remember seeing dark side. And that was the first time I ever saw dark side. I was probably, like, five or six years old. And and I called him dark Seed. Yes. Of course <laughs> you did. That's the way that's the way you would assume that it's spelled. Yep. Gotta call them Darkseed. Uh dark now the, la- <laughs> the last bit on uh, NBC is one to grow on.
1: Oh, I love that. You talk oh, yeah. about I mean you had like the the hot teen stars of the day, you mm-hmm. know, you had Jason uh, Bateman,
0: Michael J. Fox, Michael J. Fox.
1: They yeah. would come on and they would give you this like little moral review of what to little do. Life lesson. Yeah. Little life lesson, and they would always say, and that's one to grow on. You know why I still use that from time to time? Even when I'm coaching someone at work, I bring them in and I go, "And remember, kids, that's one to grow on." And (laughs) nobody gets it.
0: Nobody gets the reference.
1: But I, I, I just have this, this nice, warm, fuzzy feeling in my thing that, yeah, I I, that kid learned a lesson today at work. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Now we change the channel. We're done with NBC, and it's time for CBS. Who are? uh, who are shoulder deep in Cyndi Lauper here. This is Kids Just Want to Have Fun, the 1985 block. So I, re- I still remember those commercials. I remember that song. The yes. it, it, it wasn't actually Cyndi Lauper singing it. It was like a squeakier version singing yes, Kids Just Want to Have Fun.
1: <laughs> yes. someone, someone even whinier than Cyndi Lauper, if that's possible. Believe it or not.
0: Yeah. Now, the first one, we've actually alluded to this one during our NBC chat. Dungeons and Dragons. Oh,
1: Jesus Chris, the absolute mm. pinnacle for me. D D was never miss for me. Mm-hmm. I would go out of my way. If I was out of town, I'd find a TV. Whatever I could do, I watched this. Now, this had an incredibly low amount of episodes, but it went on forever. Yeah. Forever. Now, like a lot of these things which don't hold up today, I can watch D and D whenever I want. Mm -hmm. I I, I watch it I I pretty well watch a few episodes every single year it never gets old for me I love the characters what's funny is that it was about to finish up but they never ever completed the final episode called Requiem now if you look on YouTube somebody actually animated it they did the voice work the voice acting was complete and the script was done nobody finished up the actual animation of it somebody did it. They added oh, wow. new voice actors. They put in uh finna completed the animation and they created the final episodes. Requiem exists, and it's amazing how this thing wrapped up. I'm not gonna spoil it for anybody, oh, wow. but I love yeah. it. There was even a German car maker who used these characters in like a live action like car commercial where how the crazy. kids actually get home using one of their vehicles it's incredible search oh, this stuff wow. up
0: man i'm telling you this is good God, it's crazy I, I remember this one always made me like nervous to go like to a state fair or yes. something like where you go because like they're they go through like a like a tunnel at a fair and that's when they wind up in this dungeons and dragons world it's just like kid video just not a mirror yep. but oh man that was a. Uh, that was a good show that was a really good it's been forever since i've watched it but um i remember loving it it's just like totally in our wheelhouse as like as like quest fans right Um, next we got the cbs story break no good good.
1: this was this was a poor man's offshoot of like one to grow on it was basically promoting literacy and reading it was it was no good this was skippable all the
0: time yeah no this was yeah you you you'd prefer to watch Soul Train right it's like you don't want to you don't want to watch the story break yes. um we got Charlie Brown and Snoopy
1: Listen what happened to this this should have been Huge Charlie Brown and Snoopy were in You know newspapers it's iconic You know Mm -hmm. you talk about the holiday Specials they always drew big Yeah Mm -hmm. yes I mean you got the Great pumpkin Charlie Brown Mm -hmm. you got Charlie Brown Christmas I absolutely iconic Even though they tried to uh, You know take that out of the culture over Christmas But screw you people I love it Uh, But anyway (laughs) I watched it I remember The theme song Mm -hmm. uh, And it was just okay Chris this really Mm -hmm. didn't it didn't find its way on a Saturday morning The shows were not super great And I don't think it found the audience that it expected I think they thought this was going to be a juggernaut A can't yeah. miss and
0: Because no, be- Charlie Brown's kind, It's like a quieter comic right It's kind of right. low key it, It's hard to maintain like an ongoing I think for Charlie Brown outside of You know just the regular strip yep. It's like how exciting can it be <laughs> You know I know <laughs> <laughs> hey. But, it, you know, it's it's Charlie Brown. It's Snoopy. I, I'm a big fan of uh, Woodstock. I, I collect a lot of Woodstock things. So anytime I see a Woodstock, I grab it. And when you tell people that you're a fan of Woodstock, they think that you're automatically like a hippie. And it's like, no, oh, no not that Woodstock. Not that Woodstock. Peace and love. Let's get naked. <laughs> yep, let's roll in the mud. It's like, no, I'm talking about the little yellow bird. Come on. <laughs> um, now, one that uh, is, uh, might be an uh, interdimensional uh curiosity here we have the berenstain bears
1: yes somewhere deep in bear country (laughs) yep loved it i i I love berenstain Bears. so i watched the original one that came on during this block okay it didn't last it didn't last super long the animation was a little bit crude but what's funny this show actually carried over to syndication in canada but it became a hit they actually, really? YTV here, yeah, the the kids' channels in, I'm not sure if it was Treehouse, yeah, I think it was Treehouse, took mm-hmm. Berenstain Bears, and they updated it. So they actually created a whole bunch of brand new episodes, and this was on for a good while in Canada. Not on Saturday morning, but for just like an after-school type show. Tons of episodes, loved it.
0: Now, did Berenstain you call it Berenstain, Berenstain or Berenstain?
1: Berenstain Bears, not Berenstain.
0: I, I always thought it was Berenstain. So uh, I, I was one of those Mandela effectors who were just like, what? It's lived, lived the
1: Berenstain Baron Bears family. <laughs> See? Now, yeah, the Adventures watch... of, of Mama, Papa, Sister, and Brother. How, how appropriate. That was their names, right? Yes. <laughs>
0: no, I watch like one episode of that a year as part of my uh, Christmas tradition where, uh, uh, where they go and they cut down a tree. So uh, there's that one. Uh, Warms the, <laughs> the cockles. It does. It does indeed. I watch it on that uh, – oh man uh that beta maximus website
1: can, uh, <laughs> Deadly.
0: watch all the uh old uh old christmas content uh the next one is the wuzzles
1: never seen it never watched a single episode i know the toy line i know what the wuzzles were yeah but i i never seen the show
0: yeah i don't know that i ever seen it either i know i had one of the dolls yeah, yeah. it was like I, is this like where they were like animals mixed together like i think like one was like Bumble Lion. It was like part yes. Bumblebee, part lion yes. or something. Yeah, okay. That's exactly
1: right. So okay. they had um they had at the time they had popples and Wuzzles. There were two different franchises competing against each other. And Wuzzles was the was the Sega master system. Right? <laughs> there you go. Basically. because the popples were the things that you can like roll into a ball kinda. That's right. Yeah. And they popped yeah. out and they were cute yeah. little stuffed toys, right? And yes. Wuzzles was trying to cash in on that, but they got their own Saturday morning cartoon. I will give them that, yeah. but it was not uh I don't know if it was popular or not. I couldn't tell you a single thing about it.
0: And here's one that we've talked about before in in passing, uh, the young astronauts. Yeah, I've seen every episode. (laughs) Me too. It didn't
1: didn't exist.
0: Oh, it didn't. So a funny
1: thing (laughs) happened along the way. So this was based on... Uh, you know, US space exploration. So one of the mm-hmm. things that they wanted to do was, you know, bring this to the forefront and get kids excited about space exploration on Saturday morning. And Young Astronauts was, you know, sponsored by I think it was the Young Astronauts Association or something by NASA, so. wasn't it? That crew. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a whole group and all that stuff. So he wanted to do a show of space, ad- young kids in space adventures and all that type of stuff. And then the Challenger disaster yes. hit. And uh, all plugs were pulled on this one immediately. And there's a whole conspiracy theory on this show. And you talk go to the Moratory Monday archives where we talked mm-hmm. about it, and you will see – uh, that there's a whole conspiracy theory saying that this show actually aired and that there was an actual uh, tape version of this circulating somewhere on the internet. We haven't found it, but apparently uh, there's there's at least one episode that that exists in the universe. If For you've sure. seen it or have a copy, by I all means, know. let me
0: know. Yes, yeah. we have uh, now this is one that I, I don't remember this having this title, but uh, yes. I remember Muppet Babies, but I don't remember Muppet Babies and Monsters.
1: Muppet Babies was the bastard uh, child born out of Muppet Babies. So basically, you know, it's it's your your sequel. So, you know, as we talked about shows that went on a little bit way too long. Yeah. Muppet Babies, one of these because this came on Saturday mornings like a juggernaut. Huge. It had it had McDonald's behind it. It had its Mm -hmm. own action figure line. It had stuffed toys. Uh, Muppet Babies were a hot article, coming off you know the Muppet Show, which was canceled a little while before. They brought this thing to Saturday morning, boom, this thing blew up. Kids were loving mm-hmm. it. You could get them at you can get them at your local restaurant. They were everywhere. But then. They created, like, the spin-off show, which was uh, Muppet Babies and Monsters, which they had some of the monster characters, Animal and a couple of his other friends in there. And it wasn't good. So it was Mm. one of the shows that did synergy between live action and animation. So, you know, it it would have, like, Kermit, who's, uh, you know, all of a sudden inside the Indiana Jones movie, and he's running away from the ball. You know what I mean it's just him animated over the top Of the the footage and you know It was clever for a little while but man This lost its steam
0: Crazy I don't remember That at all
1: I recently Tried to watch it because it's on Disney plus Chris it's 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 the Shit (laughs) (laughs) It I'm not even gonna hold back It's garbage So sorry Muppet baby fans but I Don't like you
0: Oh boy that's unfortunate Um Next up, we got Hulk Hogan's Rockin' Wrestling.
1: Yeah, now listen. Oh, yeah. I remember loving this show Mm -hmm. back in the day. And this is another one. This does not age well. So the animation for this is wretched. So I'm a wrestling fan. Mm -hmm. Treasured this show. So what I liked about it was... Yeah, it had Hulk Hogan and his buddies. He had Junkyard Dog, Tito Santana, Andre the Giant, Wendy Richter, and you know they fought against the evil, you know Rowdy Roddy Piper, yes. Nikolai Volkoff, fabulous Moolah, nice. Iron Sheik, yeah. right? They had all these guys, and they had adventures with each other. So you know, one episode they'll be, you know, it's the it's the big drag race, and Hulk Hogan got to take on you know Roddy Piper's in a, in a drag race, and you know mm-hmm. all <laughs> the hijinks that ensue. You know what I mean? Volkoff and his goons would go around, you know. Uh, stealing their tires and different stupid stuff like this, you know what I mean? <laughs> but the best part of this was that it had a live action promo or music video inserted. So you know, you'll get like a Roddy Piper situation like comedy piece that would be built sure. right into this thing. And that is what's really good about this show. So as bad as the cartoon is, if you find a version with the live um uh, the live action stuff in it, this stuff is gold, Chris. Like really, wow. really good. Was this ever on the network, the WWE network? i don't know i have the vhs tapes of this the actual hmm. versions yep and guess what man this thing is even partly racist right now but fun oh i'm sure
0: I, i'm sure <laughs> oh, yeah, i'm sure most was. of the stuff we're talking about are, is uh in current year oh, sure so they
1: they beat to death the uh the foreigner <laughs> yes
0: thing,
1: you know what i mean so nikolai volkov the dirty russian and the dirty iranian and oh man it, it's rough but anyway
0: boy <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember, the one thing I remember from that um, is something I discovered much later, uh, that Hulk Hogan's voice is the uh, the brother from Everyone Loves Raymond.
1: Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it is indeed. Crazy. I know. Don't age well.
0: Uh, yeah, no, it does not. Uh, Speaking no, but, no,
1: of not aging well and racist, here we go.
0: Here we go here. We're done with the Saturday morning cartoons, but we do have a an ad from Model Expo, Inc., now, now you know kids like model sets, right? You know you put together a car or a plane Absolutely. or something. Um, now with this group here, you can command the most famous battles of World War II, which I gotta say, every five to ten year old kid wants to do that, right?
1: Yeah, I mean terrible like atrocities and you know human death. Everybody would want to play with that, right? Every kid would want to do
0: that. Um, I mean we have no, they
1: life. don't. Oh my <laughs> no, god.
0: Don't. We terrible. Got, we have five sets here We have set 1451 Which is Stalingrad Which is advertised as Hitler's most terrible defeat okay. uh, 1452 is El Alamein, Which is where you can hunt Rommel um, Okay Uh-oh. 1453 Don't say it, Don't say it. Uh, Yeah I'm not gonna 1453 is Okinawa Where you can fight a, 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 a Slurish term for a Japanese person
1: Oh, and um, it is blatant, literally fight the yeah use, use you yeah. use your use your imagination, kids, because we
0: ain't saying it, no, 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 um, we got fourteen fifty four which is Ardenne, which is the Battle of the Bulge, where you, yes, you can help decide the outcome. And finally we have uh, we have set 1455 which is Casano, or Casino. It this is the site where the allies erroneously destroyed the Abbey of Monte Cassino thinking the Nazis were using it as an observation post. So you can relive that. Oh you can relive the good guys blowing up an abbey. <laughs> because they this thought is it was terrible.
1: This is terrible. Like who would merchandise this to kids like how could you make this worse like get a, like a uh, I don't know I'm not even saying it. It is too yeah. it's too bad. No, like, not I good. Could
0: see, I could see advertising this to history buffs, like World War II buffs, yes. people who collect that kind of stuff, but Adults. to kids. Yeah, because, I mean, the picture is a kid holding this stuff. Oh, my it, God, it's, Chris. It's, it's,
1: that's, it's, that's, that's terrible, terrible. Shame on you.
0: Yeah. You know, our final ad is uh, the Morphodroids. These yeah. are uh, knockoffs of Transformers and or Gobots.
1: Anyone who knows me, for better or for worse, know that I'm a huge GoBot aficionado, and I fight the GoBots battle all the time on Twitter. If you checked out Charlton Hero and did hashtag GoBots slash Charlton Hero, you're going to find a string of tweets with me defending this against the Transformers asshats (laughs) all over the internet. I love Transformers and GoBots, okay? I do, but I think GoBots is my favorite. And back in the day, back in 85, they created a rip-off version (laughs) <laughs> with a twist they give them it wasn't just a straight up rip-off called morpho droids now i had to do the work so mm-hmm. this was a toy line put out by vector international in 85 there's a total of nine vehicles only produced they were about 10.99 at the time which is expensive by the way oh yeah uh, for for kb toys now the faces were all flat and they were just basically a sticker yeah nothing more so you know <laughs> it like now. it was like some of those gas gas station robots okay just a basically a sticker Oh, but the thing is, they were a corded remote control toy. So these things actually, you know, once you transformed them, you could use the remote control and they would drive. And mm-hmm. when you transformed them in robot mode, they, you know, some of their lights flashed. So, you yeah. know, they had a series of like light up attachments and accessories. But the main hindrance was they came with a remote control that was saddled to the toy. So you can only it's go as far. Yeah, you had to walk around with the thing. So if you wanted to drive, you had to be right behind it chasing it with this stupid cord and you know the cord is going to catch in something. So you know oh, it's going to hook in the hook in the bookshelf or something along the way and your toy's going to crash and these these things did not look like they were built to stand up to any abuse at all. They looked like if you looked at them the wrong way they would break.
0: Oh, they look awful. Yeah, they look Oh, really they're junk. And they paid for a full page ad in a comic book. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and a pretty famous one Because I remember seeing this over and over And oh, wondering yeah. where I could get Morpho, what are they called? Morpho droids oh, Well, man. I don't have any And I don't know if any of our listeners have any morpho droids But listen, send some pictures in If you've got a morpho droid, we'd love to see them
0: Absolutely, we want to know your story With the morpho droids I'm and, looking at the, the ad here It's like, they're not even hiding the fact that these faces are flat either In, oh, the, no. in the cartoon I mean, wow Bad stuff no, but, no, uh,
1: no listen when when, when your ad uh, that That's a hand drawn You know you're trying to sell the product looks like a bag of sh- yeah. <laughs> You know that it's not going to be good Right morpho droids Warrior robots you bring to life Yes because you got to walk around with this stupid
0: cord <laughs> Four plug in light cannons Driving vehicle yep. converts to Walking robot laser weapon Remote control command unit Oh boy I not don't know great. I don't know not great. Oh, boy. But that, our friends, is uh, is everything. We are through with Quest number five. Uh, we would love to hear from you. We would love to hear your thoughts on anything we talked about today or anything at all. Well, how's the weather where you live? Let us know. We'd like to talk about it. <laughs> um, but before we get out of here, how about you do some plug Sure my man
1: So you can check me out Over on the Twitter At Charlton underscore hero Also I'm over here Hanging out with Christopher Over here on Quester Days Uh, You know you can also Check out if you're If you're interested In any of these Saturday morning cartoons You know I do have a blog That still exists out there With a lot of this stuff That's covered from GoBots To Saturday morning cartoons And all that stuff It's called the Superhero satellite At charlton.wordpress.com So you can check out Some of my retro Ramblings
0: there So there you go That's Chris Bailey Charlton hero Beautiful, beautiful. Now uh, you can find me at all the places. You usually, find me um, Ace Comics on Twitter. Uh, you can actually even call us in at the uh, the at the X Labs hotline here. It's 623 uh, 396 jerk. And uh, that's not that's not dirty. It's a it's a play on what Kitty Pride called Professor X. So keep your minds out of the gutter. But we'd love to hear from you there. We'd love to hear from you there. If you want to if you want to hum a few bars of uh, the Gummy Bears song and just leave it on uh, the voicemail for us, we'll uh, we'll play it. Why not?
1: <laughs> hey. Oh, man. And if you do, then if you do, if anybody actually does this, then I will do a stirring rendition of the Gummy Bears theme personally. Ooh. on the next episode of quester day so there you
0: go there it is the gauntlet is thrown so uh, let's uh, you let's will you reading. will get the
1: full rendition right from my cockles
0: here and there and everywhere from the cockles <laughs> <laughs> now, um, you can you can even send us an email at weirdcomicshistory@gmail.com, and we will read basically anything you say on the air if you if you'd like to um of course within within reason of course um You could find me at uh, chrissoninfiniteearth.com, also chrisandreggie.podbean.com, which is probably where you found this show. It's available anywhere the internet aggregates noise. And um, I think that's probably all we got for them, unless you got anything you'd like to add.
1: Well, that'll do it, sir. Big thank you to the Facebook group over there, uh, the ElfQuest Facebook group, for helping us out with the uh, the little uh, fun information, especially about the audio movie and of course the figurines. Great job, guys! Uh, you know, keep it keep it coming. Hopefully, you guys check out the show.
0: Absolutely, yeah. We uh, we want to welcome anyone from the group who might be listening, and thank you so much for spending some time with us today. And until next time, as always, we will be talking to you again real soon. See ya.